0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the Doritos Locos taco of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the death metal guy, a.k.a. yeah, I can fill in for a solo set, but I'm coming straight after work, so I'll need to use your amp.
1: And I am the black metal guy, a.k.a. getting chased by a puppy on the first day of spring.
0: (laughs) Aww, well that sounds precious, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: No, I, yeah, I went on a jog and, uh, you know, a little guy got off his leash and ran after me. Did some did some barks He had his good <laughs> hunting instincts.
0: Yeah, you have to cultivate those. <laughs> oh, yeah, <man>. yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I, I think I'm finally over being sick, but, you know, whenever I get sick, it sort of merges with my natural smoker's cough, so you can never really tell what my status is at any given time. I was going to... S-
1: I was going to say with your natural depravity.
0: <laughs> my natural You're depravity? You're always sick. <laughs> well, I am wearing yeah. my uh, brand new volvectomy hoodie, so <laughs> it's always good to buy more mm. things that I can never wear outside of the house.
1: I'm wearing my uh, pagan hellfire shirt.
2: Oh,
0: that's not bad. It's got a... All right. No. So, uh, Terminus news. We actually have stuff going on in the Greater Terminus co-prosperity sphere today. Uh, And actually, I'm contributing for (laughs) once. (laughs) So, uh, Transgressors, uh, one and only full-length album, Ether for Scapegoat, is getting another reissue on Memento Mori Records in a couple months uh, Memento Mori, uh, we've talked about on the show before, we're a Spanish label. They're the ones who released the Altered Dead record as well as will be putting out the uh, new Void Gazer CD edition. And uh, if you're not familiar with Transgressor, mm. they were a really seminal, uh, mid-90s uh, Japanese doom-death band uh, that, was, that would end up kind of turning into... Uh, important bands like, uh, Anatomia, uh, Shares members, clearly Coffins was heavily influenced by these guys, etc.
1: Ooh. Anatomia has a new one coming out soon. We should probably review it.
0: Yeah, they do. They're always good. Uh, just old school kind of mm-hmm. autopsy-style doom death stuff. But, uh, have you ever heard the Transgressor record? I haven't, dude.
1: I like this cover. You've said good things about Japanese death metal in the past, and I don't know it well at all, so...
0: Yeah, so... I mean, uh, I know Coffins, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll give a little listen to uh, one of the later tracks on this album. Uh, First couple minutes of Transmigration. Uh, These songs tend to sprawl out, and it's hard to sample constituent parts in a way that makes sense, but Mm -hmm. this one's pretty immediate, so we'll give this one a shot. to think that that was 1992 and uh they they managed to be that contemporary with what was going on in in the states and western europe at the time yeah so what is
1: um what struck me was that weird pan like it was they were using flanger flanger which like nobody uses anymore the only other band i know that was doing that back in the day is winter right? Yeah, Um, yeah. uh,
0: Theridathon did it, and uh, but clearly, I think these guys were probably listening to Winter and stuff like that, and getting those ideas from there.
1: Yeah. Well, with Winter, it usually made their riffs worse, because it took, like, the big heavy chords and sort of just thinned them out, but this was cool, and, like, doing that while panning between the different channels really rapidly, like, that's a Pretty pretty trippy and intense, and it didn't it didn't sound it didn't really break the force of the riff. It just made it sound bizarre.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a uh, Anatomia or Coffins or other kind of bands in this Japanese doom death pr- tradition hmm. are a lot more mainline in their style. Transgressor has these little uh, bits of weirdness, sort of like weird appendixes of various prior genres hanging on to it, which is one of the things that makes it really interesting. Like, there's just a lot of hardcore, like, really intense thrash stuff going on on it. It's got a lot of personality.
1: Gonna, it's very thrashy, yeah. I was surprised by that. Um, It's very thrashy, but it's got a much heavier guitar tone than you'd usually expect from that.
0: Yeah, and a giant bass tone, which really drives the whole thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's cool. I approve.
0: Yeah, so uh, you guys can check that out. Coming out soon on Memento Mori. And uh, you will no longer have to dig for uh, first edition copies. Although I think this one's still pretty well out there. So it's just nice that it's still in the public eye.
1: Alright, cool. So um, now we... uh, To our listeners' shock and possibly horror, I actually have more death metal. (laughs) Um, This is... So uh, we just got a got a nice note tonight from uh, Brandon Corsair from uh, Dragcar and Azath, and he said he and Andrew Lee, who's in those and uh, ripped to shreds, uh, have a new project called Reaver, which is just their like down the line Stockholm Death Metal worship thing. And it seems to be kind of a uh, a tribute to LG. Petrov, at least this this particular release, which just came out. So, I uh, thought we'd check it out. They're very short songs. Um, it definitely, you know, if you've been following this show, you know TDMG and I are not huge guy, Stockholm Death guys. Um, however, this has that kind of more like nihilist energy, sort mm-hmm. of, uh, that I think that I enjoy. Um, at A really nice raw sound. So, let's check it out. This is right. Sorted Depths. It's two minutes, so we're going to listen to the whole thing. Death metal yeah. guy, what did uh, was this able was this able to sway you from your bigotry against Swedish death metal?
0: Well, uh, I mean it's interesting because yeah, I mean I can hear the I can hear the early entombed nihilist in this, but really this leans into the hardcore energy of nihilist harder than even nihilist did. And in addition, you know, you've got Corsair on guitar, so there's just a lot more melodic color than you would typically hear from the style. So, um, I mean, it's kind of, to me, it strikes me as like HM2-ified Drogkar. It's still got a lot of that just speed metal energy that kind of touches uh, everything he does.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a nice um, around the minute mark or something. There was a cool sort of big chord change. Um, like, big, kind of epic, melodic chord change that I, I, I can hear connecting to that. You know, it also, a thing it reminded me of, just sort of reflexively, was Broken Bones. Which, again, oh, relates yeah. to that speed metal thing. Yeah, we played them on the, uh, I mean, Impaled Nazarene episode. But, uh, Broken Bones, for people who haven't heard, being the, uh sort of punk speed metal band of the guitarist from discharge after discharge went down the shitter um (laughs) it's uh but um but yeah i appreciate i i think like yeah there's a lot going on i like the tones these are like i like the kind of crisper uh raw tone um and i like the uh I I think, yeah, I like you, I definitely prefer this style where it's closest to hardcore.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that you know, the the whole problem with the Stockholm sound is always that it kind of just gets distilled into itself and it just it really needs something mm-hmm. else to punch it up to give it a little bit more variation and energy and I think this basically pulls it off by just leaning into some of the weirder aspects of the traditional sound.
1: Yeah. And bringing out the things that were there at the root that you could hear on Nihilist maybe, right? But that you could, that sort of got ironed out of it very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this is, this is cool. So we, uh, we appreciate his, uh, sending it our way and, uh, it's on Bandcamp. Uh the record is called Butchery from Beyond and it is Name Your Price. There's also a oh wait no, the home dubbed cassette is sold out. Never mind.
0: <laughs> well there was at one point a cassette and now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, before we get into our roundup for the evening, you know what we have to do. We have to tell you to follow us on social media. If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to smash that like button as well as subscribe to us and hit that bell so you get notifications for all of our episodes. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. You can follow me, the Death Metal Guy, on Facebook at Terminus Podcast or the Black Metal Guy on Instagram at Terminus Extreme Metal. And then if you're truly dedicated to the craft, the dark arts of podcasting, you can subscribe to us on either Patreon or Subscribestar. Uh, $3 and up gets you access to the Terminus Prime bonus episodes, and $5 and up gets you access to the Terminus Black Circle, our private Discord server, where we discuss the relevance of uh, early garage bands to our new Outlaw Rock sound, that we've been talking about on the show, uh, as well as whether the UK should be deleted.
1: (laughs) Um, well, I think broken up.
0: (laughs) Just broken up. No, no, I'm I'm saying it just, it doesn't exist anymore. The sun sets on the empire. Yeah. We need, (laughs) I, I I think,
1: I think we need to, we need to liberate them from each other. I think, um, (laughs) but, um, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it turns out every part, it's like, you know, the Scotland leaves, and then Wales leaves, They're just every part of England secedes from it itself. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but, um, so, one other, uh, well, ran, two random thoughts. First is, um, if we had a demo tape, it would be called Dark Arts of Podcasting. Um, <laughs> That's second, sound. yeah, second, uh, Apropos of that, I you know, I thought we should just boast that we had our first ever age restricted video on YouTube.
0: Did um, it really get auto age uh, restricted because of the album art? It got
1: That's what it had to be, yeah. So yeah, we I used that insertus cover because uh, you know, it's a great cover and it also has some uh good looking mystical ladies on it, which is always good for a few clicks, baiting the old click. Uh, and, um, ap- apparently the mystical ladies were a little too good looking for, uh, for YouTube's algorithm. So, uh, I had to, uh, I had to change the cover. Um, now, you see, yeah, now so if you,
0: I want to imagine the like middle school kid who's so hard up for pornography on the internet, he's beaten off to death metal covers on YouTube. <laughs>
1: we're, I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> Not. Not hard, not hard up for pornography, like, uh, sort of like, has exceeded
0: the supply. <laughs> all right. Um, let's, uh, let's get to our roundup. Uh, we got, uh, we got, like, all good records today, at least to me. So, uh, uh, but we're, uh, as you love it when I say it, we're doing the sandwich today. So what are you opening up with?
1: Disgusting and vile. Um, (laughs) we are opening up with Unseen Forest Patriot, the, uh, the final, first and final full length from Zarabanda Moon, a project by Lam from the House of First Light, who died a a month or two ago now. It feels, it feels, I I, I can't even remember exactly the timing, but it's, it still feels pretty recent. Um, and, uh, this... We will, we will review this.
0: Yeah. Uh, so second up, we have Kal Akuma with In the Mouth of Madness out on Dunkel Height Production. And, uh, I'm pretty sure we've covered something from Dunkel Height before, or at least mentioned them. I think they're one of the better underground kind of Black Death labels out there today. And uh, Kal Akuma is a Bangladeshi band, and this is their... First, full-length uh, doing a, an interesting kind of take on chaotic old-school death metal that probably a lot of the Hessian firm guys would appreciate. Uh, and number three on the docket, uh, just to torture my co-host, uh, we've talked about this band in passing before. I'm a big <laughs> fan. My co-host is not. We have the new record by Sarkrista, entitled Sworn to Profound Heresy, released on Purity Through Fire. Uh, If you're not familiar, Sarkrista is a band of Finnish guys relocated in Germany, and if I'm bringing on the show, you know what that means, and you can probably write the review in your head yourself.
1: (laughs) All right, so um, after that, as a sort of... um, given that i'm going to uh slate the sarcrista as a peace offering to the death metal guy i have brought him some slamming beatdown uh <laughs> this is uh th- this record is v- Veld by humanity's last breath uh out on unique leader who
0: have been around for quite a while uh i don't i don't uh, think humanity's I ever last breath has a I don't think I ever would have expected you to bring a record from fucking unique leader on the show. So props to you for that.
1: Cheers. Yeah, well, you know, I follow it all on Bandcamp, right? So, uh, but, you know, this is Humanity's Last Breath probably won't be familiar to a lot of our listeners, but um, it doesn't really, you know, if you have a thing about deathcore or whatever, it sounds way more like orthodox black metal that's just really heavy um or then you then you would think um it's it's an interesting record they have a reputation as being a really heavy band so i thought we should check it out all right so we are starting off with zarabanda moon's unseen forest patriot i should have mentioned when we did our rundown that uh UFP was also the name of the label that Lamb had started, or was just starting. This was going to be one of the first releases. Uh, And it was a collaborative release between that label and uh, his friend who runs the Livor Mortis label out of Finland, uh, which is sort of, uh, you know, carefully curated raw black metal stuff um, with a, a punky subtext. So... Yeah, so I mean, uh Fuck man. I mean Hail Lamb, hail the House of First Light. Uh, let's let's get into it. Yeah, um, so for,
0: for so, context, uh, for people who don't know about House of First Light, what's what's kind of the deal there?
1: Yeah, well, they were a configuration of dudes from the very distantly in the past from the crust scene in New York City uh, who got seriously into raw underground black metal at a time when you know USBM especially the newer USBM coming out of various wings of the crust scene was a joke right? and what and a lot of the music was being made was by people who did not take black metal seriously and did not understand it these guys took black metal completely seriously and it transformed their lives um lamb in particular is was he was a friend of mine and he's one of the most serious people i've ever met right and it's impossible to imagine anyone more black metal uh and they sort of went on this journey with the music uh and the earliest configurations included a pan uh project co- project called vord which was intensely psychedelic uh and very noisy um and a project called mongrel that was started as iljarn worship but kind of ended up like just punk beats under like wandering 15 minute blaze birth hall songs <laughs> so yeah. that kind of uh <laughs> so that that kind of set the stage for where they'd go, right? Um, they were sort of finding their finding their direction there. Um, I suppose uh, as far as the House of First Light projects that you know that, that they're best known for uh, that that Lamb was in, uh, there would be uh, Sanguine Eagle, right? Those are those two records. Uh, Storm Mysticism and Shores of Avarice from last year will be sort of remembered as his, you know, his monuments, right? Uh, and also Hand of Glory, right? It's well known. Um, you know, they also they they also were really into Oi! Uh, and they had a, you know there was a related band called the Brass that was fantastic. Really, I mean, almost too so tastefully old school Oi! I almost didn't even get it all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like very true. To, very true to a niche tradition right um uh and um yeah so this is a a, a, this is a newer thing This started out um zarabanda started out as just a thing that he knocked together for a split with uh a two-man project he was doing with a guy named azegealis another one of the core members of this group which was called winds of gladzheimer uh winds was this kind of supposed to be just like kind of like exuberant very shoot from the hip kind of punk heathen stuff uh kind of like improvised riffs that honestly weren't terribly good but like were just sort of a template for like just we're meant to carry the energy right mm-hmm. and so zarabanda started out on on that split and then developed into a more a more sustained kind of recording project, right? So this is this is that, um, and uh, I don't know as far as background for this record. Maybe we should start. What 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 are yeah, your sure. first impressions of it?
0: Well, uh, it's interesting listening to this uh, because a lot of Lamb's work and a lot of House of First Light's work revolves around. Yeah, well what makes it interesting to talk about? It revolves around a lot of our personal fixations as well uh Blazebirth Hall mm-hmm, uh for sure. graveland uh d- sort of a, a an ideal version of american raw tape black in a way um yeah but uh, what, what's striking about this record in comparison to lamb's other work uh you know you've got sanguine eagle which is uh heavily blazebirth hall but also heavily kind of pan ukrainian uh, big sheets of kind of mm-hmm, crashing mm-hmm. chords in the hate for his style. And then you've got yeah. Hand of yeah. Glory, which Be- is very bit... heavy. Yeah, very heavy. Uh, then you've got Hand of Glory, which is a little bit punkier, a little bit more traditionally raw tape black, but with a really unique melodic color. It's like the 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 House of First Light version of like vampiric black metal, I would call that. Um, but Zara banda moon yeah
1: it's super it's super mutilation worship but mm-hmm. uh like without di- without directly imitating any mutilation guitar technique I know
0: yeah yeah it's it's very distinct it, despite you know the I mean. clear heritage it has with a lot of French stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Zara banda Moon on the other hand is interesting because it feels like all of lamb's ideas kind of colliding at once. Uh, it tends to yes. operate in sort of a mid-pace a lot of the time. So you can hear the Graveland, you can hear the Oi, you can hear the uh, sort of called ideas of these very primitive, punky black metal riffs given this outsized power because of how huge the chord phrasing is. Uh, it's... Mm-hmm. It's very unique. It's very distinct. It is. It does feel like a, you know, for better or worse, it does feel like a sort of a beginning of a culmination of everything he had learned from his other bands.
1: Yeah, I think it can be. It can be tempting, you know, to put the retrospective spin on everything, right? Uh, you know, it's hard to say how you know how much this perspective is informed right by by what has you know what's happened but um the uh but yeah i i agree it does seem like all of his all of his ideas are coming together here the thing that struck me was um although the overall mood is this sort of noble heathen black metal thing that he and his friends became more and more interested in over time uh they sort of shifted from Really focusing on this kind of more LLN stuff towards more kind of pagan sounding stuff. I think that's it's a simplification, but basically, there's a ton of the necrotic hand of glory influencing how this is presented. This is a lot of melodic ideas that you'll have been familiar with from, you know, maybe more elaborate versions of them on Sanguine Eagle, whatever, mm-hmm. right? But the, uh, or kind of more of the impulsive punky stuff and winds of glad whatever. Right. But like the presentation reminds me a lot of those hand of glory tapes because it's, it's so disorienting.
2: Mm-hmm. I,
1: I gave this a first listen last night when I was doing some, uh, spring equinox nocturnal solo drinking in the woods. And, uh, listening to this with like your headlamp swinging over the trees and whatever at like what these sounds that are coming out of just unexpected places in the sonic space uh at, you know, odd volumes and whatnot is pretty disorienting in a cool way. And I think, yeah. I, I think that kind of, And I think you could hear that disorienting quality in the Blazeberth Hall stuff, too. And it's something that seems to have really fascinated him, is making this music that kind of is um, immersive in a kind of violent way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get that.
1: So, um... Yeah, other than that, you know, there's, I think maybe there's also an undertone of Norse stuff here that people would not associate with his music normally. Um, but it is uh, apparently, you know, at some time in the last couple of years, uh, th- this this was written at some time in the last couple of years. And I know at least lately he'd been working on a project called Night Passion that he described as like Dimmu Borgir, early Dimmu Borgir, Khan, Gehenna kind of so like Norse keyboard very atmospheric Norse keyboard black metal from before those bands went corporate mm-hmm.
2: um
1: and uh he I think it's important to know that there's a a much deeper well of listening and learning informing this stuff that people often associate with the raw black metal scene where these bands can become like, they either don't listen to anything other than these niche scenes like LLN or the Slavs, or if they do, it doesn't affect their music. That's not the case here. And I think the idea, like the general structural idea of integrating the epic parts with the sort of bizarre jangly parts with more sort of aggressive riffing, that seems kind of influenced by the Norse way of doing things where there are like, uh, you know, the full spectrum idea
0: yeah no, this is very this is very rounded music in a lot of ways. It, well, it's mm-hmm. it's rounded, but it it tends to be taking some of the weirdest or most abstract ideas from all those scenes. And I feel like what he was really interested in wasn't so much riffing styles or guitar technique or the things that are most immediately attributable. To these certain scenes so much as abstract qualities that he found in them like uh like the disorientation you were talking about in regards to blaze hall stuff mm-hmm. or uh you know i i heard uh, a lot of stuff that reminds me of sort of a asiatic black metal here and there like a lot of a uh, korean and japanese bands i've heard with the application of synths um But these Hmm. are not the things that you most typically associate with those regional scenes. I think that the way Lamb listened to black metal and took in influence from it was in a very different way than most musicians.
1: That's for sure gotta be true. And that leads me back to the other thing I should stress, which is, you know, like... At this point, uh... You know, a truly great black metal guitarist has his own harmonic language, right? Mm-hmm. His own harmonic universe, and has has his own sets of chords and and melodic shapes and whatever. Uh, and um, you know, I think I, I think Lem went out as a great, great black metal guitarist, and he'll be remembered as one of the most, you know, possibly the most most important single figure in usbm and in our time uh in terms of his influence and the 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 people he knew the people who followed his picked up cues from him right the sort of circles he brought together and the style um the the set of reference points that they crystallized there which all these other people have picked up on since then but like he had his own style and so yeah i think what you say about the influence not the interest not really being in the riffing it's like Yeah, he's at this point he's not really biting anyone's riff form because he has his own. And he's not even particularly trying to write big riffs, per se, because he's way more interested in the arrangements of these songs. He's just using his... He's got his technique, and it's all being applied here to these relatively relative you know in some sense arrangement wise this is very stripped down stuff I don't know if, if, if this this could be on a four track or something right.
0: yeah but uh, that being said there's yeah. still a an enormous amount going on on these tracks so well let me let me throw a sample yes. out there so people know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. um so this is off the second track it's called first ancestor and uh a lot of the riffing you hear is going to be clearly uh, French, especially like Senior Valland, inspired but clearly tweaked in a way that's unique to Lamb as an individual. And the other thing that I want to draw attention mm-hmm. to is the way the keyboards are applied, which is extremely different from just about anything in black metal, apart no yes. from some of the Asian bands that I've talked about. Um, so let's just uh, give this one a try. Mm-hmm.
1: a good example of like what a lamb riff sounds like right just that last one it's so exciting that's sort of like you can yeah you can tell what you can you can tell sort of what influences that you were saying yeah it reminds you a little bit of senior of it could be like you know brand weird part of brana called or whatever but it's got this um it's not a showy riff at all, but there's so much. Um, it's it's an extremely distinctive ear, right? And the way those chords sound is like nobody nobody else plays those chords like that.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that specifically. I mean, the if you break that into the root notes, I mean, that's one of the most kind of conventional chivalric melodies imaginable. But like we always say on the mm-hmm. show. You know, with those kind of stock riff forms, there's no reason to abandon the riff forms. They are, they're stock sure. because they're elemental. They're there for a reason. You know, we're supposed mm-hmm. to keep playing them. But what elevates one from a good riff to a great riff is the harmonic vocabulary. And what Lamb seems to do on guitar here is he's... Everything is within the key, but he's using sort of the, the most strained intervals within those chords you know yeah there's there's a lot of uh big left hand stretching going on you know there's a really broad kind of frequency being covered um and really it's just kind of piling on harmonies onto this very basic melody but with the way he arranges it it has a much more kind of desperate gloomy quality to it than you would typically hear from a riff like that from someone else
1: desperate is a good word yeah there's just i mean i I was saying exciting too there's just some sort of real like you know there's a feeling of like the music moves along at a relatively relaxed tempo right and yet there's this sort of um there's this, uh, sort of expectation to it, right? There's a kind of, um, maybe I'm just recalling the experience of listening to it last night, but when those chords hit, when those riffs hit at the beginning of the record there, it's really like a, um, it's the feeling of their, they themselves are like powerful riffs, but they're sort of like pointing towards something bigger.
0: Yeah, I get that. There's a there, there's a timeless weight to it. It uh, mm-hmm. it feels like the riffs, like especially the very conventional ones on this one, mm-hmm. feel like they were like unearthed, like archaeologically. It's it's not an attempt to make mm-hmm. a contemporary version of this melody. It feels like it's literally taken from an old piece of parchment, you know, for a for a lute or something from hundreds of years ago.
1: Yeah, 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 I mean, it sounds, yes, it definitely has the ancient sound. Um, and, you know, the other thing about it is just, you know, the specific phrasing of it. Like, I guess with the sort of the slower tempo, just the way that he, um, what, a thing that would set it apart is the sort of like, uh, is exactly the rhythm, the, the sort of like legato inflection he's using to pick that pattern right um sort of sort of loose and confident and very musical and kind of i mean i think it's partly an effect of the guitar sound which is so verbed out but like also in this particular part right there is some really intense picking later but in this particular part he's moving with a really light hand it's like it's gliding over the strings
0: yeah yeah i mean it's like uh the, the best black metal guitar technique either sounds really relaxed or really tense. You know, there's no half measures in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, yeah, so tell us about the keys then, because I think we've both got some ideas about that.
0: Well, it's just, it's really interesting the way they're implemented. I mean, they're obviously they provide a really mm-hmm. nice melodic color to what's going on, but... What's more interesting is the the kind of synth patch used there. Because You know, black metal synths tend to be, uh, you know, big atmospheric swells, slow attack time, uh, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. big, broad pads. Or they're, you know, like tinkling mm-hmm. piano melodies. This is neither. This is very digital. It's almost MIDI with a sharp kind of pointillistic attack on it. You know, you get, I get mm-hmm. the sense it's it's sort of like, you know, Will-O'-The-Wisps in the swamp. You know, flickering in and out.
1: That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, he's hitting... Those are either single notes or, like, little power chords. Mm-hmm. Um, Very crystalline quality to them. Yeah. And you know what it is? It's like dungeon... Those are dungeon synth synths.
2: mm
1: mm-hmm. okay. um, Which is like... Even the melody... You know, that just goes doop,
2: doop, 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 doop.
1: You know, um, it's, uh, as you say, it's not, yeah, it's, it's a different tone from a BM, uh, BM keyboards, and it's a different, uh, kind of, um, yeah, that pointillistic quality to it, right, is very distinctively kind of a dungeon synth thing. Um, and, you know, that is one of the many things that they were, uh, these guys were ahead of the curve on, um, right? So they were listening to Dungeon Synth uh, before the horrible Dungeon Synth glut of the last, <laughs> I don't know, last few years. Um, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, if you... Uh, Lem's YouTube channel, Frater Ixtab, Frater is in brother in Latin, F-R-A-T-E-R, Ixtab, I-X-T-A-B, is still up as a kind of... Uh, you know as i think it's 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 you know it's a kind of memorial it's still there um and he made these massive playlists I and mean, he had one of this he had one of stuff that seemed related to night passion uh and he had one uh he had one for dungeon synth and uh you know his vision of what that music was supposed to be right or the house of first light vision of what dungeon synth music was supposed to be right The sort of like obscure, ritualistic music that's based on taking these things in these old video games and fantasy books really seriously. (laughs) Right? That's And and sort of embracing the noise and the sound quality and stuff like that, right? That's pretty different from where it's gone. So, uh, anything more about that or do we want to move on? Let's move on to one of yours. Alright, so one thing that's interesting about this record is that these... relates to the disorientation effect, I suppose, is that where the track breaks actually are are kind of maybe different from where you'd hear them if you just listen to it straight through the tracks don't start and stop where you'd expect um so here is a moment that kind of opens up in the middle of a track it almost sounds like a track ending but the original idea kind of kind of returns um Let's just, yeah, roll. Great title here. This is Marching Tombs. is a killer i was thinking that too yeah that's a that's definitely one of the big riffs on this record um mm-hmm. duh, duh, duh. dude that sort of that cascading lead at the end of each phrase of that riff is uh, a, also a very lamb technique that you can hear a lot in sanguine eagle right that sort of cascading mm-hmm. yeah yeah
2: yeah
0: it's, it's a very sort of like folk phrase ending sort of thing
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, so what what happens there? Well, we've got this kind of more, um, uh, sort of a more spacey of those sort of Slav, Slav Black riffs, and then it just, right, kicks into this fucking solo, uh, which is just, to me, maybe, you know, call me a simple man, but that might be the peak of the record for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just when that kicked, when that kicked in last night, I was so happy. Um, just like, Yes! Um, and you know, we were just talking about picking, right? Well, there's some really intense picking, right? There's, there's trying to kill your guitar.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of this really is kind of a, a study of contrasting ideas. You know, you've got these, it, it, it feels less as though, I, obviously like a lot of metal stuff is like governed by tempo that tells you the intensity of the passage, in a lot of this stuff, it mm-hmm. seems sort of flip-flopped, where, you know, the he's really digging in with these mid-paced passages, and then the, the fast stuff just sort of shimmers. You know, it's it's an inversion of the expected form on a black metal song.
1: Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'm not sure whether I, whether I heard that, but I think I see what you mean. Um, well, certainly the... Um you know, the sort of, the stompy, right? I mean, this House of First Light were certainly some of the earliest purveyors of the stompy beat insofar <laughs> as it's applied to black metal. You can hear, you can hear versions of that in like, you know, the Mysterious Guy Hardcore bands or in like the Claxon Records sort of punk BM thing. But like, as far as stomp beats, the American black metal stomp punk beat in this, that's not Judas Iscariot, right? These These guys were sort of big for that. And those sort of one, two, boop, da, boop, da, boop, da, that certainly gives more, um, that, that's conducive to the digging in you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, Um, that's, that's right from that school of, like, Bill Skurnier or Fawn Bearer where it's, they want it to be heavy.
1: For sure, for sure. And yeah, so the other thing I want to talk about is just, so after the solo, right, which is just this wonderful idea of like a big heavy metalism, again, not something that people who are siloed in to the the various raw black schools are really in tune with, right? But you get this big shred heavy metal solo that's recontextualized by all the noise on it and by the fact that he's like not really interested in changing the note, right? He plays it <laughs> in a very sort of punk way. Um, why change the note? Um you know, he plays it like a Discharge solo. Uh, and then you get this, uh, you know, this locked-in kind of boop-da-boop-da-boop-da-boop. Um, da, boop, da, boop, da, boop. You know, the punk beat continues, but now it's just this, like, really taut kind of... Uh, really taut, dissonant kind of I-beat, Iljarn kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, what you can hear in it... What you can hear in it is... When black metal guys cop that, or just people who are trying to do Iljarn worship bands, what they often get is this kind of like um just bashing, right? And it's it's kind of very rhythmically straight, right? It's just a
2: like,
1: right. Um uh what's cool there is that you've got the bass and the guitars doing independent stuff and the bass is holding down a really refined groove with the drums and it's a sense of internal groove that doesn't come from black metal except insofar as iljarn did have this it comes from listening to like you know d-beat and like motorhead um yeah, yeah it's, it's just like kind of uh, shuffling up <laughs>
0: Oh, it's all these uh, kind of walking bass lines, which are very, very punk and very, like, old rock and roll.
1: Yeah, swung really hard. Emphasis on this kind of, the heavy emphasis on the upbeat. Uh, and you'll notice, again, there's another great part later on this record that I think I also sample, where, like, when he hits one of these kind of um, D-beat or motor grooves, he's not doing any of the things that black metal people or punk people do to cheat on it, right? Mm-hmm. He's, like picking it all, and he has a very exact sense of how to play one of these in the way that makes it sound good, rather than in the way that makes it sound, like, you know, uh, sort of phoned in.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So, speaking of the uh, kind of punk aspect of this record, uh, obviously you've talked about it's very important, but I I chose another sample which is some of, at least in my reading, the, the most... Punk infused, or specifically very oi-infused stuff. Um, so this section nice. is off "Honor Bound Vengeance," and it's really just—it's <gasps> <laughs> really just a one riff, uh, but it gets taken through a lot of rhythmic variations with the drums and with the bass. Uh, very simple kind of punk black metal riff, but with a really unique harmonic texture. And then it's got a really cool jangly lead guitar thing. Uh, and this is where I think the cult really comes out. I bet that Lamb probably listened to Storm Height about 30 times back in the day.
1: Oh, 30. Probably like 300 or, you
2: know. <laughs>
0: Probably. All right. So Honor Bound yeah. Dungeons.
2: Let's try it. All right.
0: But you know what that really reminds me of—that uh, white metal record we covered last year.
1: That's not a weird comparison at all. That is right on. Yeah. Um, yeah. These the, the in terms of a genealogy of where the sort of punk black metal thing has gone. I you know I was talking about this with um. Uh, with one of our listeners a while ago, uh, with the guy who recommended the Zari Wilk. that There's like, you could almost, brutal oversimplification, but you can almost trace a line from like, you know, there's like the Bonal and a Akitsa, and then like the Pokemon evolution of that is like white metal, right? Mm. Which is still really punky in a lot of ways, and then that develops into... I mean, obviously, he's still working, right? But that sound carries over into this more kind of, more sort of, like, thoroughly black metalized stuff that House of First Light does or that, um, you know, a guy like Oldowan Gash does or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think white metal was, yeah, white, I mean, you know, they're definitely sort of, yeah, white metal's still working and these guys have been around for a while, but I would say white metal, I would be, pretty surprised if white metal wasn't a direct influence. Definitely something. It was definitely something they were paying attention to.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I was saying, that's basically just one riff, that very simple kind of punk phrase that gets made, uh, Mm -hmm. sort of Mm -hmm. like into a lavish French arrangement again, because of the, uh, the harmonic color that he's adding. He's adding that desperation Mm -hmm. to it which is something I keep mm-hmm. coming back to there's a real like there there's a real like losing sight of a war quality to a lot of the, the feelings I get off this it, it's very there's something very like smoldering. it's still it's still angry and it's still sad but it's it's also very I don't know it's it, it's kind of like picking up the pieces music it's it's got an interesting mood to me
1: that's interesting yeah i think yeah i i know the mood you're talking about i think that was a very important mood to 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 him and to this this scene in general it's i wonder how you know i wonder i wonder how to to some degree this stuff is supposed to have to do with feelings of triumph but it's in this sense of like you know if you listen to the you know uh the sanguine eagle records right there's this intense sense of like a boulder having to be pushed away right
0: yeah, yeah. um this this sort of like really, really this sort of like eternal struggle yes
1: really really sort of uh significant obstacles to overcome not there's go ahead you know what it is it's like people People often use triumphant, right, to denote sort of like the poppy parts of like contemporary black metal songs, but but for these bands, it was a lot more like just sort of it was a lot more just sort of like shivering in in reverence and uh, tension for battle. Yeah, yeah, I can get that. You know, it's like yeah, it's uh, um. And, and, you know, yeah, this intense sense of, like, an, an uphill spiritual struggle. Uh, uh, Yeah, I love that riff, dude. And I hear, I think you're right that, like, in terms of, like, where this album digs in, it's on these sort of boop up parts like that, because that's that part's really heavy.
0: Um, yeah, and, well, I mean, the thing that makes this album so interesting is the fact that they managed to give the, the boop up parts the same emotional scope as stuff that's much more traditionally epic. The-
1: Bro, that's what I was thinking when I was listening. Yes, it's, um, it's like sort of having, it's a great example of like, you could have your extremely stripped down, punky BM riff and your soaring epic kind of, uh, you know, sad slav melody. Yeah. Um, any, anything else about that guy?
0: No, no. I think, uh, it's just a cool part. <laughs> I just like, I like my, my yeah. sad stuff. Yeah, vibes. man. <laughs>
1: For sure. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, all right. So now last track, right? Aside from the intro, there are just, you know, four tracks that we get, uh, one, one sample each, uh, sample for each track. Um, got the title track, Unseen Forest Patriot. My God, what a cool title.
2: <laughs>
1: it's, you know, it has the good quality, right? Of suggesting a whole, uh, you know, a whole world and a whole ethos, right? Yeah, definitely. It's um, and and there's a great ambiguity to it, right? Is it is it that the patriots must retreat to the forest, or that they are patriots to the forest, or both?
2: <laughs> right, you know,
1: um, ent and, entish separatists, um, <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, so. Let's, um, this part starts with one of the more sort of drudky parts on this record, which is a thing that, as you pointed out, is more in evidence on Sanguine Eagle, this kind of Sanko side, which Mm -hmm. people, I think, is so fundamental to the technique here that people gloss over it because it's not associated with the social capital of these obscure raw black scenes. Yeah. But, like... You know this dude clearly studied Druid and hate forest right so uh so we get this kind of like key thing and then we get a uh um, and, and there's a nice sort of expand contract vibe at the beginning here and then you'll hear how he develops this and it's glorious
0: Hi, this is Taylor from Crushing the Scepter, and you're listening to Terminus Podcast. All right, we're back after a short break, and uh, now we got some uh, some pretty, some more weird stuff for you with Kal Akuma in the mouth of madness. Uh, like I said at the top, this is from uh, Dunkel Height Production, and uh, this is uh, the debut record by this Bangladeshi band. Um, this is interesting music. It, it ended up being a little bit different from what I expected. Uh, usually, when I when I'm selecting records for the show, I do. You know, I just kind of like skim through a couple tracks. And I can usually tell within about five seconds whether it's worthy of coming on the show or not. Um, So Mm -hmm. uh, what these guys do is... We've talked a little bit about this fusion that seems to be going on of orthodox black metal uh, guitar technique with a sort of a a war metal rhythmic quality. Stuff like the uh, Nove Militia record that we covered uh, earlier this year. Mm And this seems to me to be a little bit like that, but coming from a, a definitively death metal center. Like, what if we took, you know, the, the kind of orthodox dissonance and uh, some of the, like, just aggression of war metal, but we applied that to, like, Altars of Madness or something like that. Uh, it's, it's pretty distinct. I mean, what, what did you, what did you make of this record?
2: Dude,
1: I fucking love this. This is a potential yeah. year ender for me, I think. Really. Uh yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure, dude. Um this is I, I you know, it does a lot of things I like. Uh I you know, you in your notes you mentioned stuff like maybe autopsy, incantation as a basis for this. I feel like through the show I now have enough of a baseline to see what you mean there. Um mm-hmm. like a lot of the basic the basic architecture is very death metal. It feels very death metal because it's really heavy, um, yeah. uh, but it's also very folky. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, not because all, it's
0: using it's using all those sort of uh, raga um, uh, sort of scales within the context of these really gnarly death metal riffs. It's very unusual
1: and using using them using them really well and with a lot of kind of uh, ringing strings and texture to it um a lot of octaves but also a lot of things that sound like octaves but i think are bigger in terms of chords um mm-hmm. uh, a lot of drone to it um and uh, what struck me about the guitar i just love the guitar te- technique here and what struck me about it is using this like these guys clearly know something about, you know, Southeast Asian classical music, right? And they are uh, using those Raga scales to generate a ton of dissonance without ever throwing in random chromatics. Yeah, or that's... Or with th- throwing in as only as many random chromatics as you'd want for some super brutal parts of your death metal record, right? Yeah, I think um, that's true.
0: I, there's not a lot of... I mean, it's it's very easy in this style to slip into the uh, sort of baseline, not incantation, but what people think incantation is, which is a lot of just mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. narrowly, fast chromatic riffs, when actually, you know, it's like, in mm-hmm. actuality incantation shows those intervals, like, very precisely, and these guys do, too. Sure. You know, it's just, it's very dark, melody it rarely goes into fully dissonant territory outside of some of the more textured atmospheric parts across the record
1: yeah yeah for sure it's so this to me is really cool this has that quality that uh arian from hidden's heart described as sort of like folkish riffing where Mm -hmm. like you know you're not you you're not using folk instruments nor are you doing some ethnographic thing but you're trying to do properly metal riffing or melodies in a way that's deeply informed by folk music. And, you know, the greatest, so the Dutch bands do that Graveland and the other Slavic bands do that really well. And this band has that similar kind of thing of, it's like, it's really heavy. It's really metal. But I also love that they're at the same time, there are all these sort of like ringing string oriented folk tones there. They do that huge. The, the last track is just acoustic. And, my feeling about it was almost like, <laughs> instead of doing an all-acoustic track, could they just start throwing in some of these more, or or acoustic or clean, throw in some of this more clean guitar just over the blast beats?
0: It would sound fine. Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of like the, uh, the sheer surprise of it being, you know, because I, I expected when I first started that final track, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so this is kind mm-hmm. of a, a neat intro. Oh, no, it's not. It's just going to do this for... What like nine minutes? They're just gonna play with these oh, really cool uh, ideas.
1: Don't get me wrong; I really enjoyed it. I'm just saying that like the cool thing about this style is that although having all the the tone, there's great tone on this record, right? And having all the tone and the crushing quality of it is is it's almost like a bonus. All I'm saying is like they could, if they wanted to, they could put blast beats under the last song, right? Yeah, I it would says say something about work. the. It says something about the integrity of the riffing that it doesn't require the tone, and you can almost imagine them doing something like Swarm, you know, from Japan. It's uh, yeah, but, I can um, definitely see that. But, but yeah, anyway, so I fucking love it. I mean, maybe you do you want to lead us towards your first sample.
0: Well, I think, uh, well, if we want to do it chronologically, I think you're the one who sampled off the opening track, which is a, a very good place to begin. That's true.
1: I almost just began with the beginning of the record, because it just opens, it comes in so hot, but um, Mm -hmm. I thought I'd try to capture a few particular, thought I'd try to capture a few particular parts. Um, uh, Here is, this one is called Black Death Sacrifice, Um, and uh, here it is guys, here's Something Brutal.
0: Why can't everything on, like, Dark Descent Records sound like this?
1: Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Like, this is...
0: Like, this is what all the... Uh, this is what Cavern Corps should be like. And all those kinds of bands, you know what I mean? Like, this has... This has real real scope to it. You know, it's... Uh... Yeah, they're getting the cavern...
1: They get the cavern sound just by having, like, vast, spaced-apart tones with a lot of reverb instead of having this kind of, a sort of muddy, muddy thwub sound that then is sort of, like, because of the reverb, is supposed to imply this space around it.
0: Yeah, you never get the sense. There's there's no moments on this. What makes this distinct from a lot of modern death metal or modern old school death metal is mm-hmm. how cutting and sharp it is. There's, no, there's yes. no faking it with a bunch of just like big blunt chords and reverb. It's like, no, this is very clear. Like these riffs are very precisely made. There's no confusion in it
1: took the words out of my mouth yes it is yeah i was gonna say there's no vagueness you mm-hmm. know uh yeah. and that's what i meant by like you could drop the distortion off it and it still sound great but like um and just yeah i think the tones are so much richer it's not like i mean yeah it has this sort of you could hear i love that solo right and it's it's not really a conventional death metal solo in that it's not modeled on the rock approach to soloing. It's a lot more like a Euronymous solo or a solo in, I don't know, in probably probably improvisation in Raga or something, right? He's just taking his time playing a melodic phrase that he's probably half improvising. But it just, the guitar comes up to the front and you just get this like really long, you know, 20, 20 chord chord. Uh, snaking in a melody, right? It's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh what what's cool about this record is the the horizontal space of this music. These are all long songs. Like the shortest track on this is about 6 minutes long and they go upwards of mm-hmm. 9 minutes. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that should be done more in death metal because you can see um, when they have that amount of space to play with stuff like the uh, the big like mm-hmm. negative space voids that occur there, they have the time to breathe. Mm-hmm. They have the time to gestate into a real atmospheric piece, and the the songs have this sprawling, ambitious quality to them, despite being kind of straightforward from riff to riff, that you just really don't hear. From sort of old school pattern death metal bands.
1: Yeah, I agree that you know this idea of like the places where they open up space in the music are like you know we've joked about how it's like oh god it's the uh, it's the orthodox halftime arpeggio right you know um, there's parts where things slow down or open up in orthodox and in cavern core that are really uh, really just annoying and bad. Like, yeah. why music stop?
2: <laughs>
1: where where riff? Um, but in this case, it's... Um, those parts are worth listening to.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, th- these guys actually do... Well, and that's actually... This leads me pretty well into my first sample. Because um, I've got a piece off the hmm. second track, uh, Feast on Mortals. And there's a lot of hay being made right now about this whole kind of psychedelic death metal thing Mm
2: -hmm. and i'm not
0: Mm -hmm. i don't buy into it for the most part but here's a passage that does sound legitimately psychedelic but i think my problem with psychedelic death metal is that it's always psychedelic in the uh 70s prog and, uh, you know, pulp sci-fi mm-hmm, novel way. Mm-hmm. This is psychedelic in, like, a bad, like, negative way. <laughs> you know, it still sounds dark as mm-hmm, well as mm-hmm. being trippy. Um, this...
1: Yeah, it's the difference between bong rips or ayahuasca, right?
0: Exactly. This is way in ayahuasca territory. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. The big thing to listen for here, listen to the lead guitar and... You're not going to realize it's a lead guitar at first, but then it'll slowly coalesce into one. So let's try it.
1: Well, I know I know I'll like that.
0: Oh, definitely. That's one of the highlights of the record for me. <laughs> well, I
1: can't hear you. Oh, what? Uh, sorry, I was uh, just rocking out.
0: <laughs> and so that's that's definitely one of the highlights of the record for me.
1: Oh, man, that is so sick, dude.
0: Oh, yeah, because when it comes in, yeah, so think t- it's a, you think it's just a sample of an air raid siren or something. And then it goes from that huge like Doppler effect swing into an actual lead line and you're like holy shit that was that was a guitar the whole time you know like
1: this is the good example of like great musicians seeing a thing that seeing room for a thing that should exist and doesn't and just doing it like this is how lead uh, solo parts in extreme metal should be and like the i can only when i think of people who do things like that i mean Azakthoths are great, but they're more like just the best version of a traditional heavy metal solo. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: it's really only Euronymous who plays kind of like phrased solos that aren't showy, but are like really aggressive. Um, and this is like that, but better, you know?
0: Yeah, no, and uh, it's... What, what impresses me is actually that because that's actually just one riff the whole time. You know, at the end they do the <coughs> mm-hmm. excuse me, they do the tremolo version of it. But I'm also really impressed that they managed to take one of those like autopsy style horror movie riffs and actually make it sound mm-hmm. dark again with the interval choices on the last few chords because we've heard 50,000 different variations of a riff like that, the slow creepy death metal riff. And it usually just Uh, sucks because it sounds like, you know, it sounds like a a B slasher movie soundtrack, but here it actually lands. And then when they go into the tremolo version of it, it has an incredible, like terrible weight to it because they just add a couple notes to kind of bridge some of the intervals and it just, it's really slick. Yeah. Like it's, it's very intelligently written.
1: It's that dum 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 at the end. That's yeah. that's really characteristic. Like you could have, the cliche version of it would be something like dum 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 dum. Yeah, you know, definitely. That would could. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's a good point. It is a very elemental death metal riff being used effectively. Just the blast parts sound great. I love I love the drum sound on this.
0: The Mm. drum production on this record is really outstanding. Um, It is, it's very natural, but very audible. And in those moments where you get like the big ringing negative space and the guitar wash kind of recedes, you can hear just how much space is in the drum production. If you listen to it isolated, it sounds like it's in a fucking cathedral, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, so uh, let's see. Um, I guess let's go on to the next one, then, if you want. Sure. Oh, oh here's yeah. a cool title. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll say this here. Here is um, a. This is an. This is definitely gotta be one of the best titles of the year. Master of Metnal. Now I'm sure that means something and Bangladeshi, but uh, we can only hear that as Master of Metal.
0: it's pretty awesome Um, and we we both took samples off this track so uh, that's your indicator that this is the best song on the record They really they really make you work for that payoff riff. I like that.
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, I like I like that one.
0: Yeah, so the, the, uh... basically basically that's a minute and a half of like the same riff. There's a slight variation that pops up, and they're they're ending the mm-hmm. riff in a couple different ways, but it's mostly just the same thing. But it's such a it's such a bizarrely phrased riff. It's like every time you listen to it again, you hear new relationships between the notes.
1: That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I count. I think that riff is something like 20 chords long. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely getting up to... They're not as stretched out as much, but definitely getting up to into oblivion territory in terms of uh, length. Um, oh, yeah, this is this is uh, totally the, uh, like a
0: Hessian firm kind of death metal band, I would say.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, And then that little variation, yeah, they just do like a tension release kind of run that's like, I don't know, eight or ten chords long, and then they're back to the huge thing. I love the, dude, the fucking chug part at the end, that's how you do it. Is that like, like, I love I love when they sort of like, Instead of just dropping that back down to the root, they then like chug upwards. Um, yeah, yeah. They're they're doing the little like, the little pull down and,
0: but not all the way back down thing.
1: Yeah, and instead
0: of just like
1: and and they just to get some continuity on that note, they just like draw it out by just furiously just thrash chugging it rather than like uh or filling it in with other notes or something, right? It's just that shit's so brutal. That's how you do it.
0: Yeah, and it's a and it's a charge up riff because that the sort of like weird bending mm-hmm. stuff that on mm-hmm. the end, you know, charges you back up. It pumps the shotgun for the chugs again, which I know you love.
1: That's that that is a good point. Yeah, dude. I mean yeah, yeah, the charge up the shotgun riff, and also just every single riff on this has bends in it, so you know I love that. Um
0: <laughs> Oh yeah, I think the I think the main guitar technique here is very azictote inspired like azigtote and incantation for the tremolo riffs i think that's the root of it but these guys also have their own very weird harmonic language which is like we always say that's what makes a great extreme metal guitarist
1: yeah dude well speaking of azicta um, <laughs> have i got a sample for you so this is um you know, one of the coolest things about this guitarist is that there is no clear line, really, between the riffing and the soloing. Um, however, it's kind of a spectrum. And so here we're furthest on the solo spectrum, and uh, here is a uh, Kalakuma's take on the Acectodian, uh world-destroying solo. And then <laughs> right. a really, really, really sick riff after that. All right, cool. <laughs> okay. Um...
0: riff is uh that's probably an (laughs) all-timer oh agreed yeah no i was i'm certainly
1: the best riff on the like in terms of just aggressive attack riff that's the best riff on the record um well it's also man
0: i mean well it's great because it's like it it has very little to do with a death metal riff as we understand it or even a riff as we understand it it's It's really long. It doesn't have any sort of like tonal center as we understand it. And just like those horrible bends just like peeling off at the end of every one of those phrases. It's it's totally alien to anything else in extreme metal, but it fits in perfectly and it's super memorable, which is very difficult to do for something that dissonant.
1: Yeah, I think it's way closer to a black metal riff than a death metal riff, but it's because they are chugging the hell out of it and because their choice of folk scale or whatever allows them to engage so much dissonance. It just sounds very, very death metal. Um, you know, they're doing the sort of octave swoops, making up. Op- I think the thing about it, the thing about it that's cool is it's basically a really long melody that has riffs in it.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, you could, there's this you could kind of like you could see a single phrase of that being looped as like sort of a, a death rash breakdown thing. Exactly.
1: Yeah. They're like, um, and that's the kind of cool riffy thing it has to it, is this sort of cycle. This like iterations on a single kind of pattern. He'll swoop up, he'll bend around, he'll drop to the chug, swoop back up and bend it around in a different way, in an unexpected way, settle on something new, not just repeat it drop back down. In some sense, it's like the world's longest Marduk riff. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can see that. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's a... Well, it, um, but, well, it, it's interesting because I, I think this is getting at what we were talking about um, with, like, Nove Militia or uh, some of these other kind of war mm-hmm. meets orthodox bands. I, mm-hmm. I think that these guys are, in a sense, though this is a sort of unequivocally death metal, it's approaching a lot of the same ideas. Like, I bet these guys listen to a lot of antediluvian and adversarial. Oh, and for
1: sure. Like that. That's a really good point, yeah. Also, there's a new antediluvian this year, which we got to keep an eye out for. But yes, I, I for sure hear this sounding like antediluvian. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what? I, another thing I was thinking was, like, in terms of a... It might just be that the endemic folk, you know, the sort of rooted black metal sound for the subcontinent... Maybe not all Southeast Asia, but for you know India and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka and whatnot, might just be death metal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Well, like, it's, well, I there I are assume, things about.
0: I assume these guys <clears throat> are in touch with guys from like Kolkata Inner Order.
1: You would you would hope, right? And yeah, I would do it. I was listening to some Tetragramicide today, or that the the, the split with the um sort of like esoteric uh esoteric inverse islamic band i can't remember what that was but shit that's so heavy but yeah it's like it's just the guys who the guys who have a sort of black metal level of mysticism and interest in this sort of religious stuff and this ideological fervor to the music and this rootedness in specific place and you know musical whatever musical traditions uh those guys seem to gravitate towards death metal as a basic format. And I think it probably has something to do with just, like, the scales. Like, mm-hmm. Raga scales translate well into, like, very colorful death metal riffing. Yeah, I can like, see that. Um, Like, like sort of, like, droned out strange death metal riffing. Um, and the rhythmic, maybe also the greater rhythmic attack that death metal allows
0: you
2: yeah um, I think so but I, it's like
0: I think the rhythmic dimension is <laughs> i it's it's almost like people in extreme metal are rediscovering rhythm after all the years of like all the avant yeah, 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 yeah being like pure texture <laughs> and melody and stuff it's like oh we've got this thing called drums and it's actually important what they do. <laughs> I think that's
1: true, yeah. And in terms of, like, how you build a melody, that rhythm is important to it. Which is a thing I've just personally been thinking about more this year with the show. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh yeah, more interesting timing shifts in melodies. This band's certainly good at it. But, yeah, you know, you can imagine, like, Thailand and Vietnam, those guys clearly have a distinct black metal sound. That sounds very folky. But, mm-hmm. uh... This, it's like the black metal just is the death metal, or the death metal just is the black metal, or whatever, right? Um, uh, yeah, dude, this is this is super sick. Oh, one last thing I wanted to mention, and you know, maybe you have some other wrap up too, but uh, I wanted to credit where credit is due to a good band camp commenter. Um, I always like to credit the band camp comments. Uh, Quieted Darkness, who has an autopsy profile picture, says, uh, Chilling, ominous chugging death metal with the iconic Christian-styled drumming. Uh, that is a very good call. I didn't initially notice that, but I think if you wanted to try to pin down something that this sounds anything like, it might be a super raw version of Christian.
0: Yeah. Uh, I. The big thing that he's picking up on there is, if you listen to Christian... Pretty much all of their blast beats are a super fast (coughs) uh, 6-8 blast, like a triplet time blast. Mm -hmm. Um, And that seems to be where these guys like to hover as well with their blast beats. Or they they like swapping between the 4-4 and the 6-8 kind of abruptly between measures.
1: Yeah, well one thing with that last riff that made it sound so fast is that the 6-8, right, gives you like objectively really fast playing, but it gives a sort of controlled, you know, with Christian it always sounds like, right, the, the image I came up with is like the uh, the guy on the Creator Pleasure to Kill cover hitting the skeletons on the head with his axe, but in like double time. <laughs> you know, just bang 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 bang
0: bang 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 bang
2: exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get well, get bonked, Skello. Um, it's the uh, it's got the uh, the hammering quality of Marduk blasts, for sure. But tripleted out, and so it's got this very sort
1: of measured quality, right? Like, um. Whereas, like the thing that made that last blast riff sound so fast, in part, was that they just floored it in four four, like Marduk, and then at the end we were laughing while they were playing it because at the end they're like, yeah, also let's just divide it into triplets now. And make it even faster. (laughs) It's, uh, but yeah, I think the approach to melody is a little bit like Christian. Obviously, like, Christian's have this weird kind of cellular quality where the specific contours of any given riff just aren't that important. But the way they're kind of built from these snaky phrases and have this very intuitive quality to them, I can hear that here too.
0: Yeah, I can can hear that because, you know, uh, because Christian is at its heart, <laughs> sort of like a uh, a thrash band played in double speed, down-tuned, you know, to A. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's something kind of similar that happens here. It's like a lot of these riffs where, you know, it's like you even out the timing, and you make them a little less, like, austere and bizarre. You've got something kind of like mm-hmm. Death Thrash at its heart, which I think is important because, again, I think that is... I think that's important for the rhythmic variation of this music is remembering Mm -hmm. all the old thrash rhythms. And then how do you kind of treat it like an old industrial band and do like tape cuts with those rhythms and make them more erratic and weird? Mm. Um, Mm. uh, Over Yeah, no, I, I think I like this even more after listening to it again. This has a real a real mood to it. Like, it, I I like it when death metal albums are able to stand up to black metal albums in terms of mood and atmosphere. Because this definitely has mm-hmm. a really creepy kind of occult atmosphere to it that really stands up against most black metal, pound for pound.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean, this basically passes muster, I think, in terms of is it is it as occult as black metal? And it does it in a way that resonates with black metal for sure. Maybe it does some black metal things, but does it in this very unmistakably death metal way. And all the strengths of death metal here are uh, working to distinguish this. You know, I got to say that this formation of music like this or the Hessian stuff or, you know, I mean, the Inseratis is just kind of weird, but I would group it in with that. Like this whole school of kind of what the Hessian guys would call dark metal. It's mm-hmm. uh it's definitely one of the most fertile parts of the scene right now. And I'm often much in terms of what I'm interested to hear and excited about, like, you know, I, I find this more exciting than most BM right now.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's doing, uh, (laughs) I, I, I just think that all it's doing is, you know, Orthodox black metal was doing the heavy lifting for a long time, but now, Mm -hmm. orthodox technique has become part of sort of mainline black metal in a lot of ways. So Mm -hmm. someone new needs to take up the helm. So now you've got these death metal guys that are taking a lot of these like elaborate orthodox techniques and they're like, okay, how do we drive this further? It's like a relay race of uh, musical progression.
1: I hear that for sure. Yes. And also uh, a lot of the, yeah. So it's like, this is taking up the mantle of like, extreme brooding atmospheric music um and also kind of just like to the extent that it is sort of competing with black metal it's sort of egging it on in the sense that it like is injecting things that death metal is specifically good at that really like the rhythm stuff that really speak to the weaknesses of a lot of contemporary bm
0: definitely uh so overall excellent record um really excited to hear more stuff from these guys and now I'm more excited to hear more of the death metal stuff coming out of uh, height as a label. Uh, so interlude track, uh, I- I've got one unless you got something queued up.
1: Uh, fire.
0: Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, I mentioned them in the uh, in the review we just did, and I think I've mentioned them a couple other times on the show. Uh, if anyone's not familiar with Adversarial. Uh, I feel like they were really big when their record came out back in 2015, but then they kind of faded from the public consciousness because that's the only one they've done. But they have been a favorite of mine for a lot of years as far as this Mm -hmm. juxtaposition of, like, orthodox technique with more, like, war, black, death stuff. And uh, there's a lot of guys who sound like them now, but I feel like these guys had a clarity of form. That wasn't mm-hmm. really touched by a lot of people, so uh, they did a record back in 2015 called uh, <laughs> "It's It's Such a Fucking Absurd Title: Death, Endless Nothing and the Black Knife of Nihilism." Uh, just awesome record from front to back. So I'm just basically going to pick a track at random. Oh, so these these
1: are the uh, the kings of the trash can snare, right? This is oh, like oh yeah yeah this, nice is, this is this is uh, yeah, no, I remember telling a, you know, a friend of mine was like, "Oh, you like that Saint Anger snare? I got something for you."
0: <laughs> yes, I do. I hey, the Saint the snare on Saint Anger is the best part of the album, but I'm sure.
1: Oh wait, also <laughs> wait, is this is this Mark is this Cress uh, Paulus playing on this? Paulus Kressler? Uh,
0: I'm not sure. I don't really It's Canada. All of this band. It's
1: It's definitely in that group of elite can- Canadian war metal, but no, it's not. Never mind. Um okay.
0: Yeah, um, so let's listen to something with another completely absurd title, uh, Cursed Blades Cast Upon the Slave Scum of Christ. And liking that as the Terminus YouTube account, and let's go. Adversarial for what will undoubtedly be a very adversarial review. but um uh, So we now we've got Sarkrista with Sworn to Profound Heresy. And I remember we've mentioned this band previously on the show because you're the one who introduced me to them with the caveat of, I gave them to you because I knew you would like it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh Yeah, not not my cup of tea. Uh this is so what this is is I suppose it's in I
0: suppose it's a whole school now, but what this is is um Did you say they relocated from Finland? Yeah, they are actually fin- Finnish guys who relocated to Germany.
1: I see, I see. Cause there's this whole scene of German bands that sound kinda of Finnish. Purity for Purity Through Fire has a lot of them, and Finnish mm-hmm. bands, but um but like yeah, this is so okay, so this is a Finnish band that
0: sounds Finnish, but uh <laughs> it's just um If you haven't heard Sarkrista, they are possibly the most unapologetic Sargeist clone in the world. Is that, does that I think that's right. just make the long yeah. short of it? <laughs> if you haven't heard Sar Krista, you have, because you've heard Sargeist. Um, oh yeah, and, and specifically it's... like Let the Devil In by Sargeist, which is my favorite Sargeist record, and my whole That, that review, is a great record. My whole review of this record is really just, look man... I may not know art, but I know what I like, and I like the, I like the Sargeist <laughs> riffs going burr for forty-five minutes, and that's what this album is, man. That's really, that is the long and short of it. Um, and it, you know, I I definitely brought this on the show to fuck with my co-host a little bit, just because it's so, it's so counter to everything you enjoy it's, in black metal.
1: Everything I complain about nowadays, black metal, is this. So yeah, we'll the death. will get ready. I'll just uh, spurge out as the death metal guy just sits there, sort of rocking back and forth and smiling. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, no, it's so.
0: it's, it's interesting because I was thinking about it earlier today. Uh, just because um, my whole thing, because we talked about this like way back when we first started the show, the whole idea being like, I've I've loved this style of black metal since I first came across it, like in the late two thousands, you know, back when everything was basically swallowed up by Orthodox black metal. And it Mm -hmm. really is a matter of just the scene catching up to me. So it's like now, now I'm just like spoiled for choice. Now it's just every black metal band sounds like the kind of black metal that was like my personal pet thing for so many years but now I'm a normie. <laughs> yeah, you were the only
1: guy who listened to Sargeist.
0: No, 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 no. But oh. I I was one of the I was one of the early people like especially uh, in America. I get what you mean. Like, yeah. Well, because it didn't catch up in America until like the mid 2000s really. Or, I get what like, you, like, you mean. I mean,
1: like it's uh Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, I think I remember when Let the Devil End came out. It was understood to be a really good record but i don't think like sargeist quite had you know they were seen as like this good you know this sort of legendary cult finish band but it wasn't seen as like one of the leading lights of contemporary black metal or something you know what i mean whereas now sargeist is like if you want to do an after 2010 canon sargeist would be just up there right in terms of the bands that everyone has been inspired by one way or another.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, who would have... That was weird, because Let the Devil In, when it came out, it was like, everyone really liked it, and then it sort of just, like, went away, like most Sorry records, and then a few years That's later, true. it just kept coming back. It's sort of like uh, how the killer's Mr. Brightside still just shoots up the charts periodically once a year. <laughs> 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 so it's, it's through, like, sheer repetition And just, like, the insidious catchiness of the music that it's now become, like, one of the most important albums for modern black metal. So, uh, which is, like, totally fine by me because, like I always say, you know, there was was so much just, like, terrible black metal back when we were really coming up and... It
1: came out at about the time of, yeah, yeah, we it's now seen as, it's poppy in some ways, or in a lot of ways, however, it also was way truer than a lot of the stuff at that time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was like, it, it's, it had that pop melody, but it was also, well, I don't know, what's, what's the taxonomy there? Like, what do you think it is about Sargeist that captured people? in such a way. And why did it take sort of so long after their most important stuff came out? Huh. Well, that captured people?
1: I mean, well, that that record does just have really good riffs, and I think it's easy to think of them as just catchy, poppy riffs, but he clearly has an understanding of, like, sort of neoclassical sounding black metal right you know like he Mm -hmm. understood he is sort of like distills he like heard some of the best things that infernus did and sort of sort of like dis. it's like the budget infernus guitar right he like yeah distills distills certain aspects of gorgoroth and Signor voland and that's pretty much it and it's like uh and you know a lot of those melodies, yeah, they're really catchy. And a, the, the 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 arrangements foreground those melodies in a way that is intrinsically poppy. However, the melodies themselves are often just like, you know, really beautiful. Right? I mean,
0: yeah. And I, uh, I think the other thing is that the the Sargeist guitar technique, or at least Shoutrag's technique mm-hmm. for Sargeist, is mm-hmm. such a neat package of ideas. It's, it's something that's, like, you immediately get, and I think even more importantly, as a guitarist, you can listen to a couple songs off Let the Devil In, and you can start writing those songs immediately. You know what I mean? Like I expectancy. think that's, that's yes. Yeah, there's, because I've, God knows, I've been doing it, like, basically my whole life playing guitar, because I was listening to Sargeist, uh, you know, in their first couple records, and I just started writing riffs like that because there's something about it that translates so simply on the fretboard. It's so easy to pick up and run with. I, I it probably inspired a lot of people to pick up guitar because it's like, wow, it's really easy to make really cool riffs with these this small handful of techniques.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, there are like a couple chords, right? And uh like a couple really just chords that inherently sound awesome or like small phrases and turnarounds that just inherently trigger everything you think about sort of epic or majestic or sort of uh tragic sounding melodies right and you know i think that's you know it's a little like discharge right it's like sargeist is one of those bands where if you hear it and you get really into it you kind of want to play music like that um And there's something about the technique that is highly transferable. It's like a whole, there's like a a very simple musical technology there. Um, I think I like discharges better. And I mean, I think I like the sort of, I I think I like the effects discharges had better. But, I mean, there are certainly like, you know, just like I complain about Sargeist clones, there's certainly just a shit ton of mediocre DB bands.
0: Oh, yeah. like well definitely and, and,
1: and it's not necessarily and you know I guess the thing I'd say about that so yeah before I go on to uh just criticize this record I mean I think I appreciate about it is like these guys aren't trying to like I you know they just really like Sargeist yeah yeah <laughs> like <laughs> they 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 just wanted to play music they heard that music they wanted to play it and why shouldn't they in some sense it's a very it's a very diy thing and that's kind of what the discharge thing too it's like uh um you know you may not most db bands may be bad but you'll always be happy that there are there's like a solid db band in your town right
0: yeah that no i get go that you can see live <laughs> it, it it's mm-hmm. as though Sarkrista you imagine an interview with Sarkrista where they're like well, I mean, how do you feel about the comparisons to Sargeist and everything? And are you trying to move away from that? And they just look at each other confused. Like, well, Sargeist is I mean, Sargeist is already the best band. Why why would we do anything different? Like yeah. it's, it's it's already like, Yeah, we we perfect. see <laughs> We we see our we
1: see our journey as a sort of continua a continuous journey towards Sargeist.
0: <laughs> you know we're um, asymptotically approaching Sargeist yes.
1: <laughs> exactly. yeah. so in that sense I like I appreciate where it's coming from in that sense. and you know also I mean just an overall comment is about it is like there would be an easy, cheap way to make this record immediately sound sort of more like impressive or grand than it does, which would be you know, you look to the guy you look to the engineer and you say you sort of like nod and you say, see that big button that says beef, like hit that button, right? They could have some really just, you could just give it some really beefy guitar tone, big sound, whatever, to try to make like this sort of stadium black metal thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're not really interested in that at all. If anything, the sound here is more spare and cold than on Let the Devil In.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I think that, I think that within a couple years we're going to hear guys do yeah. this and hit the beef button because I, I think it's totally fair to say that this is stadium black metal. I mean, Sargais sure. is stadium black metal. There's no reason that that shouldn't be you know, presented in a similar way. I mean, they, 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 Sargais should be at Vaken. It's party music. I've always thought of Sargais as like fundamentally party music for black metal.
1: It's pretty hype, yeah. I mean, um uh, you know, Totenvach. I I, I feel like Sarkrista is going for a very similar thing to Totenvock. I think Totenvock does it considerably better, but um Totenvach has a very beefy tone. I, I liked I actually liked that band better when they sounded less beefy, but they currently have a very burly guitar tone, so maybe that's it. Um, yeah. I suppose we should play some of the music, huh?
0: Let's just yeah, let's listen to some cool riffs. Um, so uh it okay. I'll just start it. Uh so Layer of Cursed Remains. Uh mm-hmm. let's listen to cool riffs. Uh this may be some of the dumbest music that I listen to, and I just love <laughs> it unequivocally. So let's try this. Alright. <laughs> metal guy you know what's cool what death metal guy (laughs) the devil bro (laughs) (laughs) for sure dude um dude i mean what's there to say it's just like it's just fun like that's my thing is like i i've always felt like it's it's interesting because like i'm in a black metal band right now and me and the other guitarists we're both really into sargeist and, uh, but it's funny the way he takes Sargeist more seriously than I do. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's like, dude, Sargeist is like for a house party where you're taking mm-hmm. shots together. And you're like screeching along with the lyrics about the devil. It's like there's, I cannot find this to be like evil music at all. This is just the most Fun thing you can do with well, black metal, I feel.
1: This this band sir this band certainly distills the most fun parts of Sargast. I, I actually think there are parts of Let the Devil in that are kind of um you know, I mean in Horna, right, I think I talked in our last Horna review about how like shutrug has this kind of uh he's clearly a very serious Satanist and it involves like suffering and spiritual struggle. Mm. Um there's, like, this intense kind of melancholy to it. I think there are parts of Let the Devil In that have this kind of tortured, yearning quality to them um, that you get in, in Horna. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I think that... It might also definitely...
1: have been the part, part of Time of Life when I heard it. You know, I remember... I identify it with a particularly bleak set of
0: circumstances, but, um... Well, they're, uh, they're kind of, like, they're, they're sad-sounding, like, in the abstract, but... At this point, they've been... It's like, even if they were meant to convey that originally, it's been distilled and codified to the point where it's like, oh, this sad-sounding Franco-Finnish riff is a black metal party riff. <laughs> you know? It's, no, I, I, that, that's com- that for
1: sure is right. Yeah, so like, even... But yeah, I would say that parts of that record do just sound like... Parts of Let the Devil and Do Just Sound Like Party Black Metal. Um. Uh, for sure, uh, and yeah, but it's probably true that even the sad-sounding parts have been conventionalized and conventionalized to the point where now they uh, what they signify is it's time to fucking party.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's it, it, th- yeah. the sadness of the melody is a, a necessary part of it. You know.
1: Yes. Yeah. So uh, about that part, I would I would say that that first riff there, uh, the the main the lead-off catchy riff is like. You know, it's, um, I feel about that first riff kind of just like, I object to it, but I am entertained, (laughs) you know, like I feel, I I feel the, um, you know, it's like a, uh, very just, yeah, super hype. Yeah, that, that opening riff is just a super-hyped pop black metal riff. Very simple, distilled to the basics, but, like, it will make you excited. I do think this is one of the stronger tracks on the records. But as far as, like, stuff I actually quite liked, like, the sequence of the last two riffs on this, I, I liked a lot. Um, and then a riff that picked up on it after that, um... Often with these songs, I find that, like, there are a few riffs per track that I can, like, get into, but mm-hmm. that it's kind of just, like, because it has this kind of just here's a riff, here's a riff, here's a riff songwriting quality, I can't get into the whole song. But that is a nice... At the end, I think there's a nice building sequence there uh, of related ideas, and I like the fast kind of... um the kind of speedy, trilling descent is a cool thing and a thing that Sargeist doesn't do that much. Um, and so, like, there are all these little flourishes. I feel like this record, maybe more than Sargeist's old stuff, has all these little individual flourishes of whatever distinctive personality these musicians have. And if they wanted to, they could bring those out. But I don't think that's what they want to do.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I know what you're it's, saying, because I noticed it's some, uh, like... Mm-hmm weirdly technical kind of turnaround fills on a lot of the riffs on this record, and I I feel like it's just <laughs> them, like, I, it's probably them accessing dissection, or something like that, mm-hmm. which does nestle well, satanic, into... Yeah. yeah, it nestles into the Sargi mold very easily. You know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and as far as that sort of trilling, speedy thing, like Satanic Warmaster has, yeah, you know, I always talk about how nobody copies the best Satanic Warmaster riffs, which are the speed metal, kind of like the the sort of pagan speed metal riffs. Uh, and, like, that had a little bit of that quality to it. Um Yeah, they're clearly good musicians. That's true. Like, that was fast picking on that. Um, mm-hmm. But, um yeah, you know. So, uh, here's my sample. Um, I do quite like the title of this record also. Sworn to Profound Heresy is a great title.
0: <laughs> it's about Nothing...
1: Th- that yeah. says exactly that says party black metal that says dude last night last night i received free tequila shots and was forced to drink two of them by somebody not wanting one and this reminds me of that so here is sworn to profound heresy (laughs) yeah Um, let's do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right (laughs)
0: the Mm. fastest motorcycle in the world
1: (laughs) oh yeah Um, it's just (laughs) the the devil can get get to the corner to get cigarettes and back in less than a second
0: (laughs) (laughs) the devil's keg never runs dry (laughs) (laughs) tapping the devil's keg (laughs) oh god (laughs) that's probably a municipal way song or something um, that's, that's true um, so yeah I, I think especially after listening back after I get over the haha sorry guys thing there are actual things that they do differently like there's like there's a ton of micro variations and redirections of these riffs the thing is they it's always redirecting within the same melodic sphere I mean they've got this very narrow sort of melodic space that they like to work in but even there's not a lot of obvious changes happening but they're constantly cycling through different variations on these same melodies like if you just really hone in on the guitars
1: I yeah i well i think that's particularly true on these two tracks and especially this one um these guys certainly do well since none of the riffs, since the riffs are hewing so close to basically specific riff templates from Sargeist, um, there mm-hmm. is only so much you can do with one individual riff. But like what's remarkable about this song is uh, there are a lot of bands that do songs like this with four riffs in them, right, mm-hmm. which is excruciating. Um, but they here they just launch through. there's like a lot of riffs in this track.
0: Yeah, they're um, they're doing like yeah, ten. And, riffs. Um, they're doing they're using yeah. more riffs than Sargeist does.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So that helps. That that does help. A thing I liked there. they like there were a couple really cool gestures. I mean, there's um at the beginning there's a sort of big opening blast sequence, and then you get start to get this rising arpeggios da 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 da. Um, there's, there's some kind of like unexpected modulation up to a major, which is like, it sounds kind of like just very, um, very evil, very evil major key, um, which was, uh, which is cool. It has that kind of like um, little subtext to like Baroque music or something, which even, even when it's ostensibly Christian, it just kind of, and happy, it just kind of rolls ahead in this inhuman way. Um, mm-hmm. so I like that. I, I, I like that little flourish there. I wish they would do more like that. And I like the way that like later in the song, there's some kind of major stuff. And again, I don't mean like big changes to a major key. I just mean like individual chords having a kind of different tonality to them. Uh, they, they do that later in the, later in the track and it's a bit of a callback. I think that's cool. Um, but, you know, then it'll just drop back into what I could call, I guess, Sargeist Minor.
2: <laughs> you know,
1: this fairly set series of sliding sliding two-string chords that are, you know, these sliding power chords. They maneuver from your 1 to your flat 7 to your 6 to the the half-step under the 6 and back up, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, no.
0: The, 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 um, Sargeist Minor is literally its own key at this point. <laughs>
1: I, I think it kind of is. Yeah, so this is this is definitely composed in the key of S minor. Um, but,
2: uh,
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, I think this song is, I, I like this song. Like if, and, you know, earlier today I said, you know, God, man, I, I you know, I, I, this is, I can't stand this. Um, but uh, I thought, I said, maybe I'll like it better. Maybe, maybe because I'm hungover, I'll be more receptive to it. But, and you were like, you'd probably like it better if you were drunk. Well, I'm not drunk, but I have had uh, some hair of the dog, and I do like it better than earlier
0: today. <laughs> oh, yeah, anything to, anything to bring it closer to the party atmosphere that it's intended for. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> also on that song, uh, you cut it before one of my favorite parts on the album where he just kind of, like, groans mm-hmm. out, I sold my soul to the devil.
2: <laughs> it's just so
0: <laughs> fucking priceless when he does it. It also doesn't make sense because he sounds like bummed about his decision, but I thought that was the whole point of well, this was like to sell your soul the devil and shit. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, well that's the that's the sargeist sad. It's you know, it's not always easy being a deathless
0: vampire. Right? <laughs> but you know um, you just you brush uh, yourself off and you you get up the next day to eat some more people you know you just that's just what you got to do <laughs> it's my work you know you know here here at the here at the evil overlord office you know you got to you got to watch about your work life balance
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so take some time off for self care um but uh it's Yeah, no, I mean, I love that part where he says lucifier. I mean, the vocal... That's one thing that can say something like this. Apart is charismatic vocals. There's certainly, like, a good number of memorable, crazy vocal hooks on this. I think if there were... I think if he just went more toward unhinged, it would stand out more and help maybe give the songs a more distinct quality. Because he certainly can. I mean, that moment where he says, like, lucifier... Um, it, like, he, it's like he drops out of the fry, and he just
0: says that really loud. Yeah, it's, it's like, you uh, know, there's... He's got great theatrical moments. I hope they expand on those. Yeah, yeah, there's some, like, Attila
1: action happening,
0: which mm-hmm. is cool.
1: All right. Your sample.
0: Oh, okay, sure. Before we get to you really digging in... Um, here's some... Something... Oh, oh, no, so,
1: oh, no, that's right. I did put my sample before yours. Yeah, let's go. We'll go for mine. I'll, I'll just be, I'll be, I'll be negative, and then we'll, we'll close with your, your <laughs> okay, positive sure. sample. So, um, you know, like, it's, I think, a thing that's difficult with this music is, like, um, it's hard for, I can't really, like, point to any one part and be like, this or that is an awful riff, right? Because the point is, it's all... It's all okay, right? It's all kind of done well. Uh, um, and there are little parts of each of these songs that if you're interested in black metal songwriting, you can be like, this is cool. Okay, that part was cool. Um, but, you know, it's just sort of in the sum total. Uh, and, you know, for, for me, the issue with this stuff isn't really that it all, quote, sounds like sargeist. It's more the fact that working within those very narrow parameters makes it really difficult to do certain kinds of compelling melodic things. Um it 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 sort of uh it you set yourself a steep challenge if your thing is um this music's gonna be totally focused on the guitar riffs. The riffs are gonna be in Sargeist minor. They're going to have this very restricted set of shapes um and uh you know, you're being asked to pay attention to only the riffs, where, like, the riffs themselves are uh, written to a formula. And so here here's a good example of that. This is from The Chosen Ones of Satan.
0: I get what they're going for. I, I agree. This is one of the weaker songs. I think they're figuring out how to do this cool biker, sargeist black metal rock song that they want to make here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I like the punk, yeah, the punk beats are cool. There's nice little flam on the, on the bass and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. I, but you know, the first riff there is a good sort of like, well, last time we were talking about the the, the malist and I said that some of the riffs sound grid-written, and mm. Migla clones do that, and Sargai's clones do that. Um, and it's like, both Migla and Sargeist write things that are sort of like eighth note, 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 with great precision, and they do it because they're going for this kind of coldness. This distance mm. from how regular melodies work. Um, and it relates to like certain things in Baroque music or certain things that, or certain things that Infernus picked up on in Baroque music or like, uh, you know, for Migla God, probably like electronic music and shit.
0: Uh, but, um, it's, it's also used to, but to make what, because both, because the other thing is that McGlaw and Sargast also have these huge groove passages. And I think they're used mm-hmm. in contrast that way. Like, cause Migla goes from, like, the blasting section to the big swung, like, gothy arpeggio section. And then Sargeist goes from the blast to just, like, the stompy, like, headbanging rock and roll beat stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, And, you know, like, the... uh, That's the other thing. Like, the sort of more colorful arpeggio stuff that Migla does, right? Then it's written in this geometric way because you're just picking... It's an arpeggio, right? Mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, they they're that's how they sound, right? Um, but like with this, you know, it's kind of just it. It feels like the only room. If you have this set form of like da 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 right? You have this kind of like you've got four da 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 da's,
0: and you've got to choose. Hold on, let me grab my guitar. Write that one down.
1: Well, you've got you've got four da 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 da's and each one you just you've got to choose a couple intervals that are in Sargeist minor that are not exactly the ones Sargeist used on the riff it's patterned on and somehow these have to be engaging enough to be sort of like distinctive or whatever and I feel like on tracks like this it's just often not um no, and it's not like it's not it's not the stylistic similarity that gets me right it's more just, there are particular things about this style and imitating it that make it uh, that, that they can be aids to writing things that intrinsically kind of sound cool, but it makes them lack kind of the rhythmic movement you need in a melody and the sort of distinct character because it's sort of just like what differentiates it. Right. Well, they're the notes are in different places on the scale.
0: Yeah, no, I I get that. I, I mean, I think, I mean, I'd probably even go further than you to say that, okay, so there's like three or four kinds of riffs on this record, and pretty mm-hmm. much any of them from the same class of riff could be interchanged with any of the others in any of these songs, and it would basically be the same.
1: Yeah, that is, yes, that is well put, and that is a weakness of this, of this kind of thing. Um
0: oh absolutely Uh, the
1: moments where there, the moments where there are suggestions of development are like it's like oh cool that kind of like resonated with what they were doing just before but yeah the the reason I and you know the reason I chose such a long sample was just like again yeah there are individual riffs in there one around two-minute mark one around 320 I liked those okay but it's just the aggregate like that that it just dragged
0: to me Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I totally get it. I mean, the way I equate. <clears throat> the funny thing is, I think that I basically agree with you on everything about Sargeist and all the Sargeist clone bands. Like, I, I mm-hmm. really, in, in terms of just like the objective assessment, I think you're basically right about all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, the only thing that I would say is for me, uh, Hearing a sargeist riff is just like slamming a dopamine button in my head <laughs> in yeah. the same way. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. the same way that a stompy Graveland riff is like that for you. You
2: know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. But you it's, know, I, um, I definitely
0: I, I get it. Um but I also think that there's there's something that happens like between death metal and black metal where I think Like I think that in death metal, it's a lot more okay to do full-fledged clone band stuff, whereas in black metal, that's looked down on a little bit more. Um, Like I I feel like black metal comes with this assumption of the avant, and I'm not saying that's how you feel or that it's even necessarily wrong, but I have noticed Mm -hmm. that. It feels like people take stuff like this more critically than however many incantation clone bands in Death Metal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I I, I don't like the incantation
1: clones either, but um I, I hear what you mean. I mean, partly like you know, it comes down to like it's not like I don't know if it's exactly Avant, the expectation that it'd be Avant. I think it might be more like, um, Black metal aspires to a kind of seriousness, right? Mm -hmm. And doing a project that's just an enthusiastic tribute to a band that you like, even if the band is like Iljarn or whatever, right, has a bit of a fun quality to it, right? Yeah. And so this is, as you said, this is fun black metal. And at its best, I do find, you know, I... I've, uh, you know maybe I am somewhat averse in general to fun black metal that's probably true but at its best I do find this fun right mm-hmm. um, uh, it's um uh, you know yeah it's weird like I, th- I think think there's plenty of uh, I and mean, there are these like niche niches of worship band in BM I I, I don't know I actually think the not modern BM scene is Full of worship bands, but it's in these, like, you know, it's in the, va- like, the vampire guys are all copying the same two or three bands, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, um, yeah. there is, like, um, there is such a thing as, like, an iBeat band, right? Punk BM guys playing Iljarn. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there are BBH worship bands, although I think usually the nature of the beast means that they're all trying to take it in kind of distinctive directions. But, like, yeah. You know, like, uh, the old, you know, old dressed in streams, right, is BBH worship. Blaskovic BBH worship, uh, you know, arguably Sanguine Eagle, right? In some sense. It's very, very BBH, right? Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's not like, it's not just a worship band, but it very clearly marks itself in that tradition. Um. Yeah, I get that. Uh, um, especially so the, last... the early stuff, like, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Alright, so last sample real quick. This is from the final track, A Whisper from Forgotten Coffins. Uh, mm-hmm. it's like they wanted to reference Sargeist directly in the song title, which is there you go. Um so here's something that's actually new for Sarkrista and kind of a new thing in general, and this is this is the this is the nightmare future that Sarkrista is presenting for us. Oh
1: oh wait, before you go, I think I just figured it out most most black metal bands they are worshiping a scene. they're not knocking they're not worshiping a specific band,
0: okay, that's fair. there
1: are except there are exceptions to this like this sounds exactly like Iljarn, or like, you know, um, you know, Grunter does this really good senior Voland worship, and that's the only word you can have it. It's like, oh great, here's ten more new senior Voland songs, right yeah and yeah. but like. You know, when the band doesn't have a huge discography, there's a real utility to that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but alright, so. But yeah. Anyway.
0: So here's the nightmare future of black metal. Sargeist plus McGraw <laughs> plus Cradle of Filth. May God have mercy <laughs> upon us all. A whisper from Forgotten Coffins, right. let's do it. <laughs> I <laughs> boop factor on that one with the keyboards
1: <laughs> yeah well you know I really liked that last riff that might actually be like one of my favorite riffs on the record um, oh the kind of weird the, rocky the, one. The, yeah I, I liked that one with the cool sort of evil major modulation I think that's my best but yeah that rocky one at the end that was kind of like an oi band cover and don't fear the reaper I liked that you know nice little bit of you know one of the few kind of uh like groovy dissonant parts on the record which doesn't ruin the feel of the first part of the riff yeah
0: i like that riff a lot I'd, i'd listen to more of that I also just realized, looking at the cover art, that the perspective is wonky, and you've got these, like, druids that are, like, watching a church burning, but the church just looks the same size as them because the perspective's off. <laughs> what if the druids are huge? That is true. Maybe they're enormous druids. But Have you considered that?
1: <laughs> I think they might honestly be... it would be pretty cool if they were enormous druids.
0: <laughs> just the size of the church that they're burning. Um, tiny
1: tiny church gets owned by four enormous druids.
0: Um, <laughs> I think that's in my uh, ex hamster history already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um honestly man, I like I I I will be the first to say I I really like this record and it's indefensible. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can't rat, you just like it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, I just
0: I just like this. hit that dopamine button. It's like when you give when you give ah, the rats the lever that gives them cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird. I, I wonder I wonder how Terminus
1: listeners will feel about this one cuz I think a, lo- a lot of them this will not be their thing, but there I wonder if there are some who who share your um share your kink.
0: I, I um, think so, you know, because it, it feels like yeah. It feels like Terminus is split between like uh really like super high-minded weirdos and the the ultimate chad evolution of like Sargeist and dark throne riff people.
1: <laughs> In other words, you. Uh, pretty uh, much. But yeah. um <laughs> all right, um, so yeah, the, the, yeah. This is a yeah. You you get the last word
0: <laughs> it's fun <laughs> we'll leave it at that and uh, don't worry I won't give you another one of these for at least a couple months
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got actually there, there was a new German melodic black thing that just came out that I might bring on the show at some point I think you'll find it I, I find it quite entertaining I like it I
0: think you'll enjoy it too definitely um, so uh, we'll take a quick break right. and get back to our final record of the night This is a little one, Gash, and you're listening to Terminus. Black Metal Guy, what have you done? What are you doing bringing a record like this onto the show to close it out? (laughs) This is supposed to be my thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, buddy, I brought you a present. (laughs) Um, You certainly did. Humanity's Last Breath with Valda on Unique Leader. Mm -hmm. What a weird label for this to be on.
1: Yeah, so first off, I remember, you know, a decade ago, you complaining about Unique Leader a lot. What is its history?
0: So Unique Leader is a death metal label, mostly a tech death label. Think of them as like the bro version of Willowtip, you know? Uh, So Mm -hmm. Unique Leader has put out a lot of really good stuff and it's also put out a lot of stuff that I think is very generic tech death I mean there is a period Mm -hmm. sort of like when we were coming up in like the mid to late 2000s like the equivalent of orthodox was clean clicky tech death stuff Um, oh yeah we we both hated that yeah yeah I didn't really like I mean there's a band here and there that really had their own ideas, but there really was just sort of a run on the style where every band mm-hmm. just sounded really quantized and mechanical and not in like the cool way of like the Mechadeth stuff we're hearing now. Uh, it just, it all felt like played by computers in a way. And there was just a period of a few years where it felt like everything uniquely here was releasing was just very sterile, very clicky. Just, you know, albums to see how many kind of, like, crazy technical sweet patterns you could put into your death metal song.
1: Was it the sort of death metal that was being played in that very famous video of the guy on steroids playing death metal riffs? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't remember. There's been... You see, I'd have to see the specific video because there's been so many, like, super jacked guys playing guitar on YouTube. <laughs> you no, know,
1: You would, you would remember this one. It was... Because the point wasn't just that he was super jacked. The point... He's just, like... His veins were, like... It looked like he'd been just shooting up steroids. His veins were, like, standing out everywhere and he looked like he was, like, really angry at his guitar. But the funny thing is that, of course, the music he was playing was not forceful at all right he was just like cycling through sweet he was just like sweet picking really fast with really minute hand gestures
2: Mm -hmm. and he was like like like
1: like it was the heaviest yeah
0: well it's kind of like a lot of the stuff a unique leader was doing is kind of the equivalent the like tech death equivalent of the very like clicky boring death core that's still coming out somehow these years (coughs)
1: <coughs> well, okay, cool. So now that we've now that we've shat on the label a little bit, um
2: uh I suppose it <laughs> no, does
1: plenty of great shit too. Mm-hmm. Okay, words. So yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was important to get the background, because they certainly have a history. Um uh but like yeah, this is kinda different from all that, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um this is well, I, what do you call this? It's it's basically the core of its kind of like down tempo right
1: yeah i'd say so um for the uninitiated down tempo is a mutant variant of a mutant variant of hardcore right because it's like beatdown is something like i mean the classic there's proto beatdown, like you know um it's uh straight savage style or the um our our boys the the Shattered Realm. We love Shattered Realm, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it's like Zibalba and stuff after that. Or, like, Vamachara is a great beatdown band. Um, but, like, down tempo is just the most... Taking the most sort of punishing, slow-but-hammering, scronked out dissonant aspects of something like Zibalba and adding, like, gent.
0: Yeah, I think the gent part of it is an important feature, because that's where they get the whole down-tempo guitar tone.
1: Yeah, which is, like, really, you know, it takes the inorganic sound of modern modern hardcore, like, to an ex- you know, modern beatdown stuff, to an extreme. Um, I suppose we could just get into it here. It's like, you have a good bit about, you know, just how a slam sounds like all hope leaving your body.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, there's there's something like that going on here where there's a default chord these guys use that is comes from you can hear it coming from gent, but it's way more brutal than gent. And we hear this chord, you know, on things we've talked about on this show before, like sectioned and whatever. They're also very genty. But here it's just their default chord, which is something like a super dissident tritone tritone power chord coldly scooped like there's no tone in the middle of it um and that is the default tone that it rests on and it can't rest and so that means it doesn't rest on anything right it means like the, the thing it keeps returning to instead of being like this sort of hammering pedal point this gut punch thing is is this sort of like just like ah uh, just this this sort of digging, cold, intrinsically abrasive chord, which is fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's not. And, um,
1: and I think a lot of down tempo bands, a lot of down tempo bands do something like that. It's very important here. Um,
0: yeah, here, I mean, down tempo is hardcore paradoxically becoming hyper avant garde through just, like, its sheer obedience to its own (laughs) principles, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm,
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So, but... Yeah, we've talked... Yeah. Well, well, you said something interesting. You're talking about how it's like there's no tonal center, there's no mid, which is very true, especially on this record. So it's at once unbelievably heavy, but also really ghostly at the same time. It's like th- you've got these explosions of ultra-low-tuned bass frequencies that paradoxically almost don't have a body behind them. They, they're they just kind of like explosions of energy that emerge from nowhere. And in addition to that, it, as well as not having a tonal center, it doesn't really have a rhythmic center either. It just kind of... The, the rhythms across us, even in these very slow passages, just constantly contort and never settle into themselves. It's very disorienting music.
1: Yeah, you're never going to get, pretty much never on this record, are you going to get just a big, satisfying, beat-down chug part with, like, I don't know, reinforced power chords and a repeated just chugga-chugga. Like, yeah. pretty much never.
0: Well, there's also um, no, like...
1: I I don't know that there's a... I don't think there's a single just open power chord on this record.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. And there's also... The other thing is, like, when these huge, like, down-tempo breakdowns happen, there's none of the preparatory stuff that you hear in other Mm hardcore-derived music Mm -hmm. with breakdowns, where it's like, oh, this is supposed to be the release of tension. No, it just kind of slips into it. Structurally, this is really Mm -hmm. fascinating Mm -hmm. music.
1: Yeah, and so these guys have been around for a while and they had this reputation for being just like heinous and massive and having some intense extreme metal influence. Um, I don't really know how the old stuff sounds. I clicked on it once and I was like, well, this is tone. I think it was burlier. <laughs> I think it had I think it had more of a this is just a vague memory, but I think it had more of a just pummeling power chord quality to it. But they've been away for a minute, at least relatively speaking, and I've sort of had my eyes on them as a thing maybe we should cover for the uh cover for the show and like this this came out and it seems like they've been in the shed you know this yeah. is like this is some next level shit um funnily enough this is not even on the metal archives which just goes to show you that ma nowadays is lying.
0: <laughs> well I, I i do kind of understand it because i believe at this point this sort of Uh, At one point, when we talked about Embryactomy last year, I talked about the the pan beatdown movement, which has almost, like, Mm -hmm. seceded from metal and hardcore. I I think that if there's anything that proves that idea kind of correct, it's stuff like this. Because there really is a listener base of people who aren't really metalheads or hardcore kids in the way that you would think. They just listen to stuff on, like, Chugcore and Slam Worldwide. And just through these, like, little communities just talking to themselves endlessly, here's where we're at is music like this, which is just so mutated. You can't really call it, like, metal or hardcore in any traditional sense anymore.
2: No
1: that's that's true. This is more hardcore than um, more hardcore than metal for sure, but it doesn't really do any of the things you'd expect a hardcore record to do either you can't really you can't really mosh to this. you could like you could like throw things through store windows you know or like crash cars, but you couldn't
0: mosh to it. <laughs> that's true you you could do like really horrible acts of violence to it but but yeah you could uh, not not that
1: not that terminus would ever endorse or condone such acts
0: of course Mm. not so uh let's uh Mm. let's just show them what it sounds like so i think the best song on the record is probably the big single which is earthless um and Mm. this will give a, a Pretty good impression of just how this whole record sounds, which is just, like, like chunks of, like, granite floating around in a zero-gravity environment. So... <laughs> This is this is internet music, as you like to say.
1: It very much is, yeah. Um, yeah, this is kind of what the internet sounds like,
0: also. Um, yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, well, immediately you gotta like if you want to really process this record, you have to realize that the the guitars are not. focus of this music the actually everything is on kind of an equal platform here
1: yeah that's that's right dude i mean the electronics on this are great i mean what this really is is like you know if it's not really hardcore metal it is kind of like advanced industrial music um and it is kind of it is approaching ill even maybe even more than sectioned is moving uh really into just moving in sync with and in alignment with avant-garde elect, heavy electronics. Um, yeah. This is that sort of drill sound at the beginning where it opens up. There's a kind of like kind of a, a like, uh, you know, synth thing happening. That's so heavy.
0: It's um it, it's extremely heavy, but it's also like you see I I've, I've always found this kind of thing really interesting because it's 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 crushingly heavy and a lot of bands attempt to do the sort of like arty spaciousness that these guys do mm-hmm. but I think that what separates these guys and I'm really only starting to pick up on it again after listening to it again is the incredible like anger And like antagonism behind this music. It actually sounds like incredibly like rage filled. Even during these. That's more what I meant.
1: Yeah. Heavy. Heavy was a lazy word. Yes. That was a. There's. There's. You know. This has a very malevolent quality about the sounds. Right. That drill sound is extremely malevolent.
0: Yeah. And and just like the. Those horrible like strobing synth patterns that just kind of abrasively grind across the surface of like the rhythmic riff under it it's mm-hmm. it's, it's incredibly well it, it gives you kind of the same feeling as like void gazer did where it's just like oh it is literally a malevolent outside force that hates you and wants you to suffer
1: <laughs> you know what it is mood wise
0: this is very close to the suicide circle oh yeah you brought on the other it's, week it's uh it's it, 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 the apocalypse has already happened you just don't realize it yet
1: yeah the 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 my my big metaphor for how this sounds although i've used it for other things is like this is very much uh cities like like skyscrapers falling down music
0: oh yeah like, it's, it's got this um, horrible apocalyptic inevitability to it well i mean i mean look at the band name humanity's last breath and uh even the album are depicting just this sort of massive black monolith in the middle of some desert with what looks like the etchings of a bunch of figures on it that may be ghosts or something Mm -hmm. which is really like a whole genre of like extreme like avant metal and hardcore art now is like the big monolith i think it's
1: i think it's the same guy i think this is the guy who did the art to like that um like mirror reaper and shit
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, it looks like it, and he's clearly... I think
1: it's, it's one dude. Uh, yeah. I like this better than a lot of his other work. I'm not into the big... The, I mean, the other stuff, it's like, it's intrinsically cool, but it got kind of played out, and he was doing this kind of... Everyone was just like, can you please give me a desolate landscape with a gigantic-looking, poorly-proportioned figure on it? Um yeah. And uh, this... This is I I couldn't get that into that, but this is really cool because he's good at these kind of um. He's 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 good at material texture and stuff. This giant cracked monolith looks fucking sick.
0: Yeah, mm. and using the uh, using the brush strokes to kind of add to that, you know, with the kind of like clotted paint in the middle of the monolith, it's very
2: cool. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So.
1: Yeah, apocalyptic, right? So the thing we haven't even mentioned at all. Right, is that there's obviously there's a really big black metal influence on this, mm-hmm. but but if you say blackened, you know, God, um, you know, blackened down tempo or whatever, right? You could get this sort of idea of like classic superficial black metal influence incorporated into hardcore, where it's like you know you throw in some a watein riff or a dark throne riff, right, and this isn't like that at all. I mean, I think we would agree that they're drawing on the super heavy Orthodox stuff like Aesoth. Um, yeah, there's...
0: Well, these guys and, are from Sweden, so I'm guessing that they probably have uh, actual friends in the Orthodox scene out there. They could,
1: yeah, for sure. And if not, they've certainly had the ability to see it live, right? So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you have your offer your, your mods and whatnot. Um... But, like, in terms of how abrasive, just, like, the French stuff sounds more abrasive.
0: Yeah. ASF and the like.
1: uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, the DSO, right? Or Archon and Faustus, or... Which is very death metal-y and heavy. Yeah. But, yes. So, this is, like, very... Just in the guitar, and these are sort of horrible, ringing, textural, strong chords there's a fair amount of ortho BM in it. Um, there's also, I mean, when you get to the end of the record, there's a kind of moment, uh, it, this question didn't even occur to me, but normally when I, because it's so well integrated here, but normally when I'm listening to somebody that sort of like integrates BM in an unexpected way, or sort of uses BM ideas in a sort of slant wise way, my question is always, as you know, well, can he write a trem riff? Um, I, I, I didn't even ask that question this time, but you get
0: to the second to last track and they can fucking write trem riffs. Yeah, actually, right? it was um, funny. I saw that in your notes. I almost sampled that track.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's futility. Um, yeah, there's, I, I wrote my notes. This is like the first time you hear a note played by the guitars.
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um,
1: and, um, and there's sort of, you know, there's there's they use like there's this kind of cut up fractured behemoth quality to it but also like like fractured versions of Migla riffs and because Migla has that kind of cold inorganic guitar tone it works really well in this context to add like some color to this sort of desolate landscape but i'm not sampling that one because it's just there's too much other cool weird shit to show you
0: <clears throat> so um here's my second sample uh and this is this yeah. is good that you were talking about the black metal here because this is a very yeah. this is a part where you can clearly tell the huge influence from black metal onto this stuff without ever really being a black metal part. So let's go to yeah. dehumanize and try that out. Hey, is a pretty distinctly black metal part. And I think it's specific. I was, I was going to say, I missed that one. I think it's I specifically one. a modulation of a Dimmu Borger riff off Stormblast. I think it's one of the later mm. riffs on Broderscopet's Ring, or at least it's extremely similar in the main notation to it. Um But that's actually something that stuck with me through this whole record was, like, late Dimmu Borger as a reference point with the the huge, like, overwrought choir stuff that they'll do. Mm -hmm. And if you really start picking it apart melodically, you know, when there is kind of a a segment of melody, a lot of even the breakdown interval phrases are kind of like something you would hear from Dark Funeral. Obviously, the rhythmic dimension and the timbre of this is so different, it sounds completely different, but there's actually a lot of very kind of traditional black black metal stuff going on in the note choice tempered by the more modern orthodox stuff when it comes to texture.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, and I really, you know, um those choirs and stuff, you know, like in the context of Dimmu Borgir, especially the later demo, they can be used to, you know, obviously make things fluff things up, right? Make everything mm-hmm. poppy, but in this sort of apocalyptic context, right? They had this with with so much nastiness going on in the riffing underneath it that the those are only a bonus that and you know there's this sort of You get a very extreme version of the black metal contrast effect, right? Where where, you know, I am the Black Wizards does it with two different moments. Here they're happening at the same time. You have the mm-hmm. ugly riff with the kind of epic choirs right over it. Um and yeah, that's cool. You know what it reminds me of? It's um I was thinking there are a few bands that are I'm sure there are more bands than we than we know that sound sort of like this from down tempo that we just don't know about. Yeah. But um As far as stuff that specifically parallels it, it's filling a kind of niche that others have tried to fill before. Successfully, I'd say, but this in the most sort of radical way. So think about like um, Anonithrak.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was um, I was thinking about them earlier.
1: Yeah. Because I got you know back in the day, I bought the CD. Uh, I was so stoked about them that I bought the CD from the band. I think the CD to Hell is Empty and all the devils are here. Mm-hmm. And like people. I you know I later learned that this was the sort of thing I was supposed to turn my nose up at, and I'm sure when when I needed money, I probably sold it, which I now think is stupid because I got a ton of plays out of that record, um, and at its most intense, they had tracks that were just like the coolest, most unique track on it was this kind of grinding mid tempo chug fest that just had like chain gun sounds on it, um, and also this kind of like gothically black metal coloring to it and it sounded very the way that it was black metal was that it sounded sort of end of the world heavens opening right well, um
0: uh, was like the but music gasp of trench coat
1: it was yes yeah, yeah yeah for sure um very true um true trench coat um and it was like uh you know a lot of the actual riffing ideas like on a track like that sound more death metal-y or hardcore-y right but like there's a black metal color to it or and if you want to go back even further right um bleeding through wow, which yeah. literally has you know love lost in a hail of gunfire literally has a similar palette of ideas right you get your apocalyptic sample you get your um you get your a chug riffs and you get your Kind of uh, keys,
0: right? I think people are coming back around to Bleeding Through as, like, actually being a weirdly special band.
1: It's one of those bands I always think, like, I only ever... It was, like, a little out there for me when I was a kid, so I just, like, listened to, like, one... I remember enjoying that song when I would, like, listen to it on pure volume. Um, <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a throwback. Um, Showing our age. But, like, I... I yeah, yeah, but I was like, you know, this is a pretty crazy shit. Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't yet acquired a taste for metal aesthetics specifically, so I wasn't quite sure how to feel, right. But um, retrospectively, it's a band that I probably just like a lot,
2: <laughs> you know. Um, and I I'm keep
1: meaning to, I, yeah, I keep meaning to go back and listen to them. Um, as far as more recent stuff that parallels this, um, this often sounds like the really evil version of a band from England called Conjurer um conjurer is a lot less techy, um and the weird thing is that they use this sort of gent beat down convergence uh to make songs that are often kind of like beautiful um and there's a big kind of black metal post black screamo thing going on where they're like sort of fully developed melodies in it but there are there are all sorts of, like, little cadences throughout this record. Little rhythmic figures. Sort of, like, turning, gentine riffs or whatever that remind me of Conjurer. And I, I'm sure that is a band that... I'm sure these bands are aware of each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Conjurer. I'll have to check that out.
1: You'd, you'd like it a lot. Yeah, we should, we should, you know... When they put out something new, we'll cover it. Sure. So... Uh, you know. D- d- yeah, so that was that was a great sample. I also really liked the crazy fractured genty part in the middle. That was probably one of the closest things to a regular breakdown you'd get on here.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's why I chose it. It's like uh because most of it, most of the breakdowny stuff, I mean, in down tempo, they're not breakdowns. That's just the music, you know. <laughs> that's 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 what it. it in the same way, yeah, you, yeah, listen, yeah. You, listen to, you listen to Cephalotripsy for the first time, and it's like. Okay, so when is the riff starting? Oh no, it's it's just mm-hmm. slams forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh yeah, what what have you got yeah. in terms of samples? Well, I I felt that for this,
1: um just a couple of the most breathtaking moments for me on this. I enjoyed the whole record, but a couple of the most breathtaking moments are just like sound objects. Mm-hmm. Um and used in a way that integrates them. Where for like a serpent column record or something, sometimes the sound object just kind of stands on its own, and that's kind of mm-hmm. the point. Uh, here, because everything is so industrial already, this these sort of interesting noises get you'll hear them, and then they'll get incorporated into the riffing in weird ways. But um, uh, so Valdet. Um, this song is about three minutes long, and I, it's basically a vehicle for what may end up being one of the coolest sound objects of 2021. Although, it's a tough race with the fucking, um, uh, that, uh, the, the beginning of that lead. solo. Yeah, yeah, so you'll hear, oh, yeah. this is a lot like that. Yeah, yeah but, uh, yeah, this is the, um, so get ready for Cyborg or corn. Yeah, so that's like actually
0: scary, right? Oh, it's awesome. It it he's probably So I have done a little bit of research on these guys. I guess the the main dude behind this is also in like a sort of like a, a proggy gent band. You know? Uh, sort of, mm-hmm. I think they're sort of like Animals as Leaders style, but I, I haven't listened to it. But I'm just looking at descriptions. Um, but I'm guessing that this guy I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he's probably listening to a lot of, uh, like, video game sound design stuff. Uh, Like, very specifically, I think he's listening to, like, the Silent Hill soundtracks, especially the weird kind of dark ambient industrial stuff they would do, as well as just some of the general sound design from that game that's very focused on sound objects like that one being used as motifs for characters or monsters and stuff like that um it's a super interesting methodology because i also like how and basically over the course of that whole track all they're doing is building it like an ambient song just layering in voices
2: Mm -hmm. like the the Mm -hmm. orc
0: horn just it does those blasts solo and then they just lay on that note for the rest of the song And it just disappears into the mirage of all the other voices until you come out at the end and you're like, oh, wow, the finger's still on it. I guess we're done. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I meant by
1: incorporating the sound object. It's like that, it would be less, it would still be cool, but it'd be less cool if it just went away. Like, And when that's going and then just all hell breaks loose under it, right? Um, Something I should mention is a lot of these breakdowns uh, sound like dubstep. Like mm-hmm. the really heavy dubstep from back in the day. Um, that's obviously been a huge thing with this, but so that sort of rhythmic just blast off juxtaposed with the horrible horn sound is really cool. Um,
0: no, I I really like this. Like this is another aspect in in which it's like internet music is like you've got all these guys mm-hmm. like on YouTube who are basically just amateur producers who have basically turned themselves professional just through sheer, like, work and watching, you know, videos of how to work Pro Tools for so long. And he's, what these guys are doing have that kind of, like, mercenary quality of, like, oh, just some of those, like, the ugliest synth tones of dubstep, we're gonna take those. Uh, the weird textured shit from Orthodox Black Metal, yeah, we'll take that. uh, Black Metal in general, don't care about it, whatever. We're just going to take this, and it's ours now. Uh, We're Mm going to take the 8-string guitars and the really weird rhythms from Gent. Uh, All the other stuff, like the prog shit, fuck that, don't need it. Uh, You know what I mean? It's just like, there's just like Mm -hmm. a, a merciless acquisition of different ideas to smash together. And what's amazing, and I think I said this at the time I noticed, is like, how inevitable this combination feels, you know, like after hearing this record, it's like, Oh yeah, of course this would happen. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is,
1: I mean, really answering the question. I mean, you know, back since 2010, you and I have both thought, or 2011, you and I have both thought like beat down is the cusp, Right for Mm. for a lot of art music and now it's really come to fruition um this and this band is like we didn't really get to this but in your notes you said something about like this being a good example of black metal hegemony
0: yeah specifically because like on my my second sample it's like oh it's Mm -hmm. you know you've got these much more ostentatious kind of black metal ideas it's like Jesus Christ, does everything just kind of asymptotically approach black metal on a long enough timeline? But I also said it also kind of does that with Converge, and now we've got kind of the two together here. (laughs) Well, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you know, in some sense, like, all metalcore already sounds like Converge, but, um, but, yeah, I, I get what you mean. I think what it's done is, like, I mean, I think what this is, it's black metal it's sort of black metal supremacy, but it's also beatdown down supremacy. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is, I feel like this band is like, if you want to think about the two, two musical forms that are fertile right now that have prospects for growth and that are sort of like taking over other sounds. Well, if you wanted an, if in metal, black metal has kind of reshaped the entire sonic landscape around it, um, Death Metal, or not in Death Metal, in Hardcore, it would have to be Beatdown. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and Beatdown is... I think Beatdown is doing to Hardcore right now what Black Metal started doing to Metal about 10 years ago.
0: I can see um, that. Well, I think a lot of this yeah, also touches this is... back to... A lot of this also touches back to a conversation you and I had years and years ago before the show, mm-hmm. which was... Uh, Sort of specifically in response to the resentment of metalcore and deathcore that was still going on, even in the early 2010s, mm-hmm. where my argument was always you know, you saw these guys that were kind of talking about like hardcore intrusion into metal. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my theory was, and it still kind of is, it's not that metal started sounding more like hardcore, it's more like hardcore just started sounding more like metal. You know, early metal cribbed so much from hardcore, especially in like uh, guitar technique and pacing and rhythmic variation. And now uh, things have kind of reversed and now it feels like, I mean, all the, the the sort of scope of down tempo and the the incredible abrasiveness of the tones and stuff. I mean, those are all extreme metal things that are getting applied back to hardcore mm-hmm. now.
1: No, oh, I think that's true. I mean, yeah, in some sense that started with, like, started when all the hardcore bands started um, getting, you know, fucking uh, HM2 stuff.
0: Yeah, and started right? playing both thrower sort of, and shit.
1: Yeah, the sort of closed casket activities bands back in the day, right? Or any of that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's been going on for sure in some ways. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like this band is really on the sort of, They're on a, on a, they're standing on a fault line, like, intentionally, where these genres have all their, this, this band is very tapped into potentials, you know what I mean? Like, this is, this guy, in some, this is very internet, and maybe part of a function of that is, like, this guy knows where it's at.
0: Oh, yeah, no, this is, this is clearly spearheaded by a guy who knows which way the winds are blowing. And I also think I, I think is, this is Yeah, and is, is blowing the winds. Yeah. Yeah, he's also blowing the winds. And uh, mm-hmm. I I guess the one thing one thing I would say about this record is I think it's a very good record, and I think it's going to have terrible consequences. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so what do you mean? Oh, I think that this is gonna be the McGlaw effect times ten. Like, so we're just going to get bands that
1: imitate this, but instead of it just sounds... Where the Law effect is, everything ends up sounding like pop. With this, it will just be like everything ends up sounding like sterile and miserable.
0: Yeah, I think so. I I think that this is a great record Mm -hmm. with a bunch of great ideas, and people are going to take the wrong lessons from it. They're going to think that the constituent elements of this are open strings on an eight-string guitar and like winding high-pitched electronic noises and they're not going to realize mm-hmm. that it's like the really intricate structuring that makes this stuff compelling in the same way that people don't realize that the thing that makes McLaughlin right, isn't cool pretty gothic arpeggios it's a really like intense and inherent sense of the flow of melodies within these sort of rock song Mm -hmm. frameworks.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and you know, another thought about this band's influence, it's like, well, in terms of like the standard unit of this being this sort of like, I will have to come up with a name for it, you know, but like the, uh, the death gent or whatever, right. The sort of, uh, (laughs) um, the spectral gent of death um, that sort of Jung thing is like you know this is really challenging music um like to me i can feel like there are times when i'm listening to, i can appreciate it and find it interesting but there are times when this music makes me feel like a pussy um (laughs) because because my ears aren't wired for that being the default chord yet right i still keep expecting beefy power chords or you know um things like that right or like chug and this is just a different basic unit. And I think it's it's a kind of technological revolution that is, probably feels to me like it must have felt in the 80s when, you know, old longhairs started to hear, you know, this shift from, like, open power chord and, like, sort of light chug to, or, like, light palm mutes to, like, chug and thrash. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I can imagine that sounded really... That sounded really jarring to a lot of people. And so this is something where I'm like, shit, the kids are doing...
2: Mm."
0: Or like uh, death metal guys hearing like uh, the inhaled slam vocals for the first time being like, well, Morbid Angels music, but come on, (laughs) you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is definitely a... um... Yeah, or maybe the shift from fast thrash riffs to atonal death metal trem in the early '90s, shit like that, right? Um, yeah, this is like a technological move, and like I can imagine, like should should either of us succeed in reproducing, you know, this will be normal to our kids.
0: <laughs> God, it's probably gonna be even fucking weirder.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure, but um. You know, it'll be like this plus drill. Um Yeah. But um
0: <laughs> The ultimate end of the world music.
1: Exactly, yeah. But so so one last sample. Um I'll just do the lead in now because we've already talked about this for a long time. But um sure. uh this is uh one question you could ask about this music is it sounds so much like avant garde sort of post dubstep industrial techno all this this morass of just in this like nexus of heavy intense cold music that started coming out about 10 years ago in london and berlin this sounds so much like that that you might ask why don't they just play electronic music right there can be like a medium specificity question Mm -hmm. like are they just trying to get electronic effects out of guitars um and the, the answer to that question is no, no, they should be doing this. Um, I think one thing that's cool about it is no matter how sort of processed and crushed the sounds are, you can still t- tell this comes from like people hitting strings and band energy. Um, and this is really moving towards a cool sort of syncing up of electronic with body music. No, I don't mean electronic body music. I guess I mean just <laughs> electronic music with f- physical band playing. Um, And so when you hear this, this is about as close as they get to like literally sounding like something off of Function by Empty Set, like really close. Um, but um, think about how like when those electronic thumps hit, they either kinda just when electronic sounds hit, they either just go, right? They sort like bam, 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 bam. Or they kinda swell out of non-existence, right? woof right?
2: woof woof
1: right? MGZ does that a lot. The the guitars here work like both of those things at times, but you can still tell someone's playing the strings. Um and so this is from the last. Tr- if you thought it couldn't get more apocalyptic, this is from the last track, Vitrang. This is uh, right here's your cyborg music. Uh, this is <laughs> Battle Angel Alita Core.
0: to tell people when this becomes the most popular style of music in the world in like two years I'm gonna have to Mm -hmm. have conversations with normies where I have to explain how yeah this is music yeah this is it's just
1: profoundly unpleasant
0: (laughs) this is the definition of music adjacent
1: (laughs) yes no for sure this is a great example of uh Great example of music adjacency. Um, Yeah, in some ways, what they're doing is closer to Concrete Winds or to uh, that one sick, brutal death band you show me. um, Induced, yeah. uh, Yeah, Induced. We had some other good uh, music-adjacent stuff on this show recently. I can't remember which. I mean, there's kind of a lot of it now, um, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, um, But, yeah, this is very, like... Very much that. Um, I love that moment where, like, the breakdown hits, and instead of getting heavier, it just starts... You just start getting this, like,
0: eerie guitar and whisper vocals
1: and shit. It's, um... (laughs) And then
0: even... (coughs) Excuse me. At the end of the sample where where the guitar doubles up just into those double strokes, it's like... It's still not, like... There's never a release of tension, even in the most regular quote-unquote breakdown moment on this record there's no release Mm -hmm. intention it's just creepy and awful the whole way through and i wouldn't have it any other way